Daniel is a true dual threat quarterback. He runs well, he throws it well, and the words that come to mind when I see him are toughness and competitiveness. He was injured as a junior for four games and his team went 0-4, but he came back and they went 10-0 from there and won the Nevada State Championship, which is a major deal because they beat Bishop, Bishop Gorman in the semifinal, who hadn't lost a Nevada high school game in about 10 years. So we're excited for Daniel to join the program. And we're back. I'm James. This is the Grizz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. And I'm James. Grizz Country, let's ride. <laughs> Grizz First <country>. take. <laughs> Grizz Country. Nailed it. Man, let's, guys. Let's ride. Uh, I don't know what to think right now. Grizz <laughs> take. That's right, James. Um, we nailed it, man. Nailed it. Yeah. We did it live. As always, Grizz Fan Podcast is a one-take show. That's true. <laughs> We're a one-take production. <laughs> um, so we are back. We we are back, as in we are back in my kitchen, yeah. in the dining room. Good to see you guys. Uh, Britt, we're glad you survived uh, your... Hey. Um, you know, tour through the whiskey farms of Louisville. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a great time. I, 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 my wife surprised me with a bourbon trip, tasting trip. We were in Louisville. Um, got to fly home. Shout out to uh, Jay, who was texting me all the updates from the first quarter while I was in air. Um, yeah, so <laughs> um, it was nice to be updated because I had no internet. Uh, the Wi-Fi was down on the plane. So, well, the, whatever the streaming was. So. Oh, that's rough. That's okay. <laughs> in um, hindsight, it was fine. So that's why why uh, Brent wasn't on the uh, Grizz Fan Pod road trip to uh, Ogden. But, yeah. you know, we had a regular pod guest, Kyle Sample, fill in. And uh, James, mm-hmm. what was the best part of your weekend? Utah Jazz. Yeah. Jazz game. What was the second best part of your weekend? Goyce game. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say the hotel pool. Hotel pool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, James, tell us about t- tell me about the Jazz game, man. This is your first NBA game, right? Mm-hmm. And I heard it was it was a pretty impressive game, wasn't it? Yeah. How'd it go? To give us, can you give me like a thirty second breakdown or maybe a minute synopsis? Um. Well, in the first quarter, Memphis took a quick lead. Mm-hmm. And then the Jazz came fighting back, and at the end of the first, it was like a three point game. Yeah. And then the Jazz started taking a big lead and then they started to kind of blow it and the third quarter the Grizzlies just came back and at like in the fourth at the start of the fourth it was like a four-point game the Grizz were up wow and um the Grizzlies kept a steady lead till like one minute and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter whoa and then it was like 120 to 116. Uh-huh. And then that's when the Jazz scored eight in a row. The Grizzlies did get a three in the final 20 seconds. The Jazz somehow missed and didn't get fouled. Huh. They missed a dunk. Missed and a dunk? So, yeah. And with like 1.5 left, the Grizzlies inbounded it, and the guy that got the ball slipped, and the game was over, oh. and the Jazz won by one. Whoa! It I um I was not expecting the atmosphere. Like it was really, I was awesome. Like Luke and I, it was great. Uh, really loud. Yeah. F- like almost. Loud. I mean, 
it was almost full. This the arena was. Um, I think BYU and Utah State either were out of town or had a buy or something. Okay. Um, so it was the only game in town that evening to attend. To attend, uh-huh. they packed it, and it was such an exciting game. It got so loud, and the production of those games is like next level. Oh though, yeah, for sure. I mean, just an entertainment event. Like, obviously, I have no rooting interest. I don't really follow the NBA. James clearly does. I like Warriors. Um, it was fun. I mean, it was a blast. Huh. I'm glad that we had planned to do that after you know. What else went down on Saturday? Football game. Um, James, we were excited to see the guy from Memphis, but he didn't play, though, right? John Morant. He was out. Yeah, he had the scheduled night off. Uh, But you know what? Didn't even miss him. It was great. It was a great game. Awesome. And the guys I'd never heard of. Who's number 23 for the Jazz? Starts starts with an M. Mac. Um, Oh, you mean Laurie Markkinen? Yeah. He was oh. the Chicago Bull before this. Was he sharing the Chicago Bull? Okay. Because, yeah. like, I, I mean, I don't follow the NBA. I never heard of him. But that dude, like, turned stole off. the show in the second half. Really? Also, he turned it on in the last eight Kelly minutes. Kelly O'Nicky? Yeah. I mean, they had some guys. And, you know, Oilnick? He's a. Oilnick. He was a. Olenek. Olenek. He played for Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. He was in the starting lineup. And, um,. I don't know. They just the production value and like the stats that they have up in the arena. Like you'd see the point differential when guys are on the floor and stuff like that. It was just that's awesome. It was a great game, you know, cool. and uh, it was just what we needed. <laughs> Shout out Kellen Clark. Good idea. Yeah. That's Thanks nice. for getting those tickets. Cool. Let us know what we owe you. James uh, didn't get sick in the car. Nice. He was a, he was a yes. champ on the road trip. Honestly, like when you know it was like we're gonna do this trip. Are we going to bring James? And the answer was always yes, right? It's like, of course, we're bringing the boy. Uh, he's a part of the team. <laughs> but also you're like, is he going to get sick? Is he going to Is he gonna do that like 99 bottles of beer on the wall and like drive everyone <laughs> crazy? You just don't know. James is a wild card still. And he's... You know, not afraid of, you know, our glares. Poking the bear. But he was such a good uh, traveling companion. I can't wait for our next trip, James. Awesome. Seriously, you watched a whole lot of goosebumps on your tablet. And oddballs. Okay, okay. Yep. Mom came through, downloaded a bunch of stuff to the tablet beforehand, so that was great. Smart. Thank you, Mom. But, man, he was a trooper because we weren't back to the hotel until 1030 both nights and, um, you know. Sample went and painted the town. Luke went to Salt Lake and painted the town. James and I went to the pool. <laughs> 10.30 at night. There's not many people in the Marriott Courtyard pool. But what was the other cool thing that we didn't know about our hotel until we got there? That the Chris stayed at it. Yeah. Oh, it right. was the team hotel. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we pull up and there's Coulson and um, Ryan Martin. Um, yeah. And they're clearly standing there waiting for the team. And we just hop out of the car and <laughs> had a whole welcoming crew. And I will tell you, we were then checking into the lobby we were checking the hotel in the lobby when the team got there. And at the time it took us to check in, the whole team had arrived and had their room keys. Nice. Yeah, I was so impressed with the efficiency of the <laughs> team checking. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they had like they tables have that figured out. for offense and defense, head coaches and guests. It was pretty cool. And then all the conference Set. rooms had like the UM logo and offense and defense and. Team meal and stuff like that. Yeah. Dang it, cool Dad! We forgot we left the offense in Ogden. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait! I don't know that it showed up officially. <laughs> the the, the, the uh, um, 
the the tags on the conference rooms were still up, and the the offensive meeting room was right off the lobby. So it had the UM logo and said offense. And we walked by, and one of us goes, this morning as we're getting ready to get in the car, it's like, oh, I found the offense. <laughs> that was you. Someone may have a picture. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a picture. And now that James is out at us, we may put that out on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but it was great. You know, I mean, out, outside of the, the you know, crappy outcome, which we're going to get into to no end, it was great. Fun trip. James? Dad? Did you well, have fun? Yeah. All right. What was the what was the best food you had on the trip? Ah. We had a lot of Chick Fil A. Okay. The kid had Chick Fil A two different times. I didn't even know he was a Chick Fil A fan, but apparently he had it in the tailgates at a Grizz game. Oh yeah. Yeah, they gave up free Chick Fil A. That's right. So. Awesome. I don't know. All right. Well, glad you met. Uh, glad you guys had fun with it. I mean. And then we were. We were waiting for dinner when we got there on Friday night, and it was fun because we were close to Team Hotel, so lots of Grizz people coming in and out. So like we knew people, and we had to wait like forty-five minutes for a table at Roosters, which I've been told is a great uh, local place. And James is here double fisting watching sports because <laughs> um, uh, he had my phone watching football, and Kellen. Uh, Luke's buddy, who we met down there, gave him his phone to watch the World Series. And he's just sitting there watching both. And you're like, man, could your life get any better right now? Yeah, if I had a triple phone. Oh, right. right. Well, Luke was busy taking photos of us for the pod. So, you know, we got well, what about Sample? Well, good question. Yeah. yeah. Good question. But Sample let you watch other things later. So. When? In the car last night. Um, oh, yeah. I this was, it, was, it was good. And the other fun thing is... Um, I got to have breakfast with, uh, uh, it's yeah. Chappie from Weber State Weekly. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. You guys did connect, yeah. Um, and he's a great guy, and, and so it was fun. It was, uh, you know, outside of the game, the trip was fun. Good. Good to hear. So now we have to talk about that. Yeah. James? What picks? You, you want to do your picks, buddy? Well, real quick before we do the picks, just tell us about the game. One sentence, two sentences. It was not good. Fair enough. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> right, we'll get Pods to that <laughs> a little bit more later. Uh, let's uh, real quickly uh, pick the pick the sky for you. You want to pick them, dude? Yeah. Okay. Eastern Washington goes to Idaho. Idaho. All right. Cats go to Northern Arizona. Cats. Northern Colorado goes to Portland State. Portland State. Okay. Idaho State goes to UC Davis. UC Davis. Um, what do I got left? Sac State goes to Weber. Sac State. Sac State. Cal Poly comes to Missoula. Missoula, Montana. Grizz? Mm-hmm. All right. Good Grizz. Take it. All right, bud. Hey. It's been a fun weekend with you, but I think you should probably go to bed soon. No. All right. It's about how the weekend went, too. <laughs> Stomps off into the living room. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so let's just give a little context. We, uh, we let off with a little quote, and that was uh, none other than University of Montana head football coach Bobby Houck talking about uh, one Daniel Britt on signing day 
All right. One of the that quote uh, we we kind of came across someone brought to our attention this weekend. Uh, one of the more complimentary you know string of sentences you'll ever hear Bobby say of someone like especially Hi. on signing day like that was like legit like we're excited for this guy and he's got potential. High praise. So his quote from after the game yesterday when when Missoulian reporter Lucas Sam asked him. Um, did you think about going with Britt? He said, yeah, we talked about it, trying a new QB. We had stuff all week, but we're in a game like that where we feel like we're close. There's a reason why guys are where they are on the death chart. It's a tight game. There isn't a lot of leeway to experiment in a game like that. Buy or sell. We're copying a segment. I'm selling that. Two things. When your offense is averaging two yards a play, There's a lot of time to experiment. We also ran the Wildcat. That seems like an experiment. Yeah. It which sure does. was interesting because we ran the Wildcat and we ran a little bit of option with Junior Bergen. Junior Bergen and Brown running it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. he's not fast enough for that. Yeah. He ate rush for a touchdown. And he had a couple of good runs, but yeah. Like it's not his game. It's not what it's he's. Not, yeah. Yeah. You're willing to experiment by running Wildcat with a guy who's not a true quarterback but you're not willing to experiment with sets in your playbook with an actual quarterback who can run and also has the like nice distinction of being able like to throw and routinely throw right nothing against Bergen's arm right but like he's not a he's not a true college quarterback right he played I mean he played in he high played school, in high school but, but you know We've got a lot of guys on this team that played high school quarterback. <laughs> but it's just so odd because it's like he clearly said in the quote, and we had heard this ahead of time, that yeah. they had packages for him for Britt. Right. In the game plan. Yeah. And I just, you know, if I'm, like, I get the point he's making is we were one offensive drive clicking away from taking this game. All the time. We were never more than two scores down until the very end, right before Flowers had the kick return. Right. So, I mean, the point he's making is we're this close. But they were in the game the whole way. But the flip side of that is, do you let your defense down by continually having the mentality that we're this close, maybe the next drive of the offense is finally going to get it together, and you're not willing to to take a chance? It's so such an interesting question because is it – we're so close, but we're going to try the same thing over and over and over again. Like an like the second half, how many total yards did we have? It was like 80. I mean, we had 114 for the game. I think we had 89 first half yards, so 25 second half yards. You know, being really close doesn't seem to be true. Like we're not close to breaking a touchdown. We're not close to stringing together a, a sustained drive. We had 25 second half yards. Right. Um, we're trying the same thing over and over, and Weber knows what the hell we're trying, right? So doesn't that seem like an exact time yeah. to experiment? And we kept running in up the middle, which, like, if there's anything you learned watching the MSU-Weber game, was they struggle running around the edges with a fast guy. Or the one time they did try to th- to go to the edge, it was the the pitch toss to Marcus Knight, like who's not our fastest yeah. running like, back. Where's Harris in that situation? The Montana Grizzlies had 
six yards of offense in the second half. Six yards. Six, six yards. So that seems like a time to experiment. <laughs> like, we're not close to shit at yeah. that point in time. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I feel bad because I feel like we're, we're piling on Brown, and I don't, I don't mean to, but, I mean, something wasn't working. It just wasn't. And I, I, to, to, not, to not shake things up, to me, indicates, I mean, I don't even know if it's a we don't believe in Brit scenario. I tend to think that this coaching staff is very conservative when it comes to veering off of the plan. And I think the plan is if you think your main package and your main group is going to do it, keep trying it but if i'm on the defense and i'm watching game film and i'm thinking to myself what do we need to do like we're out here we 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 had two busted plays that resulted in touchdowns so not their best game of the year but when there's all this pressure like we've got to hang it close because the offense can't do anything and you won't try anything they even went away from the wildcat in the second half like yeah the defense is put in a position where they have to be flawless and the most creative play call all day honestly was the two-point two conversion, conversion yeah. after flowers t- kick return where um brown pitched it to bergen wide and bergen stopped and threw it yeah bergen <clears throat> had the best average for runs he had 4.2 per carry now i know some of his wildcat stuff got a little blown up I have not seen the first quarter and most of the second yeah. quarter, so I don't really want to go back and watch it either. Um, one of the things, though, like I observe, this it, it's such a like there, there's so many things that you can kind of break apart from this that is that is completely baffling to me. And right, the three of us here are fans, and so we don't watch the all twenty two. We don't see how the practices go. We don't know the we don't know what they plan, how they plan to attack. Uh, Weber, we don't know what they saw, like especially when they watched last week the Bobcats run for 300 yards on Weber. Why suddenly, you know, it's it, it, it's a good point. I mean, we don't know this, so we're we're fans trying to make a guess here. But what we see on the field is enough to tell you something's not working and something's not right. Um, what it looked to me was Chris Brown was put in a no-win situation the whole game. At least what I saw, because what I continually saw Chris Brown having to do was convert a third and long where Weber is dropping seven or eight guys into coverage and Chris Brown has two seconds to throw the goddamn football. Like that type of stuff. It's like, I don't, Lucas Johnson wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, Dalton Sneed wouldn't be able to do that. I don't even know if Dave Dickinson could fucking do that. Cause it's like these type of situations, it's just like third and nine, third and 11, third and eight. Like, that's a recipe for disaster. And it's like, I saw a lot of option pitches that turned into losses. And I saw a lot of dive plays. What we average? 1.1 per carry. But it's all all a (laughs) symptom. It's all related. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. So it's just like, I think, and I got to say, because I was really worried, because you guys know me enough. Like, I never criticize the athlete, especially, well, at the college level. Especially college level. Yeah. And and I was just like, and I put that in my post game. I was like, please, please, let's please remember that Chris Brown you know, has stayed with his team, has has worked his ass off. Like, we've talked about this before. Could have left after that James Madison game, put in the work, stayed here. Um, and, and I've actually, I've been 
mostly really proud of Grizz fans' reactions online to just recognizing this is this isn't just a quote unquote Chris Brown sucks soundbite because like I think a lot of people are recognizing that there is something inherently wrong about everything that is going on on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Andrew Schmidt had some great tweets about it uh, last night as well too, but it's just it's a complete dumpster fire on that side, and it's it's like I don't know. It, yeah, it, at least it has been these last three and a half games. I think that's a good point. I, I think it's not necessarily like a particular player issue. I think it's a scheme issue, a play calling issue. Is it a scheme? Is it a design? Is it a? Is it a? Is it a stubbornness? Is it? What is it all the above? What, you, what, what would be the rationale? Like with the amount of talent we have on yeah. the offensive side of the ball, for us to repeat that number again, how many offensive yards did we get? Six. We have six <sighs> effing yards yeah. of offense. With, well, it's got to be a little bit more than that because I thought we had eighty nine in the first half. So, but now, we're, we're semantics here. Now, now this, this is okay. So I'm going off the PDF stat sheet. And there so, were some sacks. So. I'm wondering as I look at this, this might maybe have missed a possession, but what I see for Montana possessions. Third quarter, first drive, three plays, eight yards, eight yards lost. Next possession, the field goal. Um, when we got seven, seven plays, ten yards. Next play, four plays, sixteen yards. Yeah. Next play, five for eight. The last one of the fourth quarter. This is credit to us only one possession in the fourth, and I felt like we had another, so it might have missed one here in the stat book. But it shows three plays for negative twenty, and that three for negative yeah. twenty was the just. Yeah, we might not have though because they had a long, we had a possession. They scored. They had a long drive, and then they ran it out. And then that's we right. Ran no, the we didn't have the ball. We had the, one. So that, that's right. So we had one back. possession in the fourth but quarter. Regard, like imagine just saying, just let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They had sixty yards of offense in the second half. That's unacceptable. Still terrible, right? Let's, which were probably I mean, they didn't have anywhere near. They had like twenty five at most. It's like I tried to because like people were like, when was the last time you've ever seen the offense have such a low output? And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll bet that NAU. McKenna Simmons quarterback, not quarterback game where uh, well, he was the tight been the tight end for two years and, what's and I was like, oh, we, we, and... we had 240 yards in that game or, so, yeah. or 216 yards, like we eclipsed 200 in that game, and it was just like I can't think of a Grizz game where we had such a low offensive output. I, I it just I mean it doesn't I mean, make sense. I think and like maybe like one of those playoff games. We used the Wildcat a little bit early, but even some of the like the Wildcat, like we had Junior Bergen run the same types of plays in the Wildcat. And maybe he should have handed it off and didn't. They haven't practiced that a ton. We never handed it off on a sweep, and that's kind of unfortunate. But like, uh, he, he ran up the middle. The read, but yeah, yeah. And uh, then we went away from it. But nothing we were doing was any better. And we just kept running him night. Just a dive. Just a middle. dive. It was just a I dive. Mean, just, and so we'd be first down run, second down run, third down long. Third long. Junk pass. Offense. Yeah. The, the defense had no reason to believe we were going to throw deep because we didn't. Twice. And <coughs> some of that, well, I think that there's a combination of things because to me it looked like Brown had been coached on one read and go. Like it, he did not go past his first read very often. Yeah. Um, now, if that wasn't what he was coached on, that was kind of what was happening. Very rarely did he throw it in the middle. When he did, we hit um, – Grossman on a good one and Roberts on a good one. Yep. And I that was Robertson. that was it. That was it. 
And a lot of times he didn't have so, time. I mean, he might have not had time to make a lot so of those Weaver reads. So Weaver lived. They had yeah. one safety deep, one, like one high safety. They yeah. lived in that five yards and under area because they knew they didn't have to. Like the box was stacked. Like it. I mean, hell, and like that last drive where, you know, I think we completed pass, but we had an offensive lineman downfield. <clears throat> then we had a holding. And then the, you know, the, 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 just the, the, the topping on the, <laughs> on the icing on the cake was uh, Weber has a three man rush and Brown is sacked on the three yard line. And they got, they got home in seconds, two and a half, three seconds, it seemed like. I mean, just right through on a three man rush where we had a running back back. So we basically had, two blockers for every one rusher, but they got home. Yeah, it was, I, but it's, uh, I mean, I tweeted this. It's just like, I, I don't know. We've talked about this enough all year long, but like we saw it in the kicker term, but leak flowers has the speed to run the field. Right. So God, that was exciting. Why, why, are, <laughs> why aren't we like, where's the verticals? Well, and especially if you've got a single high safety on first and second down, yeah, Where's the verts? And yeah. and maybe, maybe some of our receivers don't get the separation to make some of that stuff work, but we never try it. Like this play calling is so unimaginative. I mean, and like we were sitting there in the stands, kind of saying, "You have to throw it deep on first down once," because they're sitting there begging you to do it. Yeah. And we never did. And like, if we're afraid that he doesn't have time, do do a flea flicker. Do do something. Like it just it or, or do a do a. a Pass back, yeah. you know. We, we've we've done those in other games, yeah, yeah. but it's like they, it's like, and I think it's Rosenball who calls plays. But it's like he know. just goes into a shell, and they just there's no creativity there. And let's say you're like, you know, if you could appropriate maybe like what what the coaching staff is thinking is, like if they could like be here and be super candid, like they couldn't be. And they're like, listen, dude, we can't throw that route. They're like, he doesn't have the skill. Yeah. Or we don't have the receivers. Yeah. Or like, it's just not going to work. Um, if that's true, how the hell don't we have a better quarterback? See, that's yeah. the thing. Like, my thing is, like, if, if Brown was legitimately our best option at QB all game, that they legitimately don't think that Britt could have done any better, how are we here five years into this new Bobby Houck tenure? Like, how, how are we possibly here where the only way our offense is any good is if we have a senior drop-down transfer QB? Like, how are we here? We can't count on that. Like, you have to develop talent. You've had a lot of swings at recruiting quarterbacks who can throw a freaking fade. And, and, you know, frankly, and we've talked about this on this pod, like, if you're concerned about putting Braden as he just hasn't had that many snaps, there were so many opportunities this year to get him snaps. So many that we've talked about. So many that the fans have talked about. Honestly, there were games where we could have pulled Johnson earlier and gotten both him and Brown snaps. Do you think deviating from the original plan is is like and it's like oh if we deviate, it's some admission that our initial plan wasn't perfect, and we are perfect coaches. <laughs> like is that the mentality? I, just, I think, and and it's worked really well for him in his career at the FCS level. But I just don't think Bobby is a guy that does that. I think that he is a guy that we put in a game plan and we line up and we do what we do better than you. Like, I just think that's who he is. And when he gets into moments where they need to make those changes, 
it's tough. And you think about like some other examples, and one is a game that Brent and I were at at that stadium where poor Dalton Sneed just didn't have it in that playoff game. And Mm. we still had a chance, and we just – we never went to Cam. And I'm not saying Cam would have been better than Sneed, but Sneed was still clearly hurt and had thrown, at that point, four interceptions. And it was just like, at one point, you kind of say, we need to try something different because we owe it to the team. Because the team's supposed to be more important than one player. And I just, I don't understand how, if I'm on the defense, I can think that my coaches, my coaching staff did everything they could on offense for us to have a chance to win. Like, they were close. (laughs) Well, you know, I want to say they, I mean, they were statistically, like, they were, like, by points, very close at the end there. Oh, yeah. So I get that, right? Like, if, uh, you know, if they don't blow... Two long plays, they're in, right? Um, you hate to say it, but they, we they we bailed them out on. once on a pass interference on third down and long that ended up in a touchdown. We're close, right? Yeah. Like there there were a lot of situations that if they break differently, we don't make mistakes. Um, I mean, that, that's the story of last. That's the story of this losing streak. Is yeah, we're we're just on the. I, mean, you, I don't think you've had a game where it's like that team was superior to Montana and they just beat us because they were better than us at everything. It, I think it's a, a challenging thing to be like, oh, we were so close. It's a challenging position to make because yeah. at the NFL level, people make mistakes. Oh, yeah. At the, sure. at the SEC, like highest caliber of football level, people make mistakes. You're definitely going to have players make mistakes, mental errors, get turned around, fall down, accidentally pass interfere someone. Like there's so many mistakes that are going to happen that your game plan can't require flawless execution. No. Like you Cuz it's not realistic. It's not real it's not at all realistic. But you know the other thing that gets me is like this mentality of like you know, don't play young QBs and stuff and that's what it is. Like you look through his whole tenure, and like he, Cole Berkowitz is the only thing close to a young QB that we've really played. And, and even then, that they brought wasn't in, by by choice. Yeah, they brought in a, the, a <laughs> competition Washington. every yeah. year, yeah, for him. I mean, but it's like who who has this coaching staff developed at QB over two tenures? Um, Cole Berkowitz, Andrew Sell, yeah, and Andrew Sell is the, the next closest one as far as guys they recruited right. who were starters at the end of their senior safe, year. Safe, safe. 08 Berkowitz, every single year. It was a it was a transfer that was either the starter or comp, or competing or splitting because you had Jeff Disney and Craig Oaks, and then you had Jason Washington come in, and then you had Josh Swagger, and then Cole had his one year, two years, oh seven oh eight, right? Cell comes in. Who do we bring in? Over Throper, you know. So he comes in. So then and then so now we're back and it's Gresh Jensen. Here comes Dalton Sneed. And so then we got Sneed. And remember, with like they brought it, they had like a Juco. They had a couple other transfers come in. And then you have Cam Humphrey. Who's also a transfer. Transfer come in. And now we've got Lucas Johnson. And so transfer. <laughs> transfer. And it's like they're like. How are if, we ever going to develop a QB if we don't ever not, let young QBs I mean, play? I just think like, that, like obviously, this is a long track record. If you, I mean, it's just if you're a sophomore or below, um, you could be the greatest goddamn sophomore on the planet. 
they're not going to play you. They're going to bring, gonna bring in a drop freshman down. QB. He's, gonna, he's well, one of the best players. I was looking at this. You know who the most efficient QB in the, the like the, the statistically right now who is actually just outpacing everybody is Miles Hastings at UC Davis. True sophomore. True sophomore. Uh, in, you know, Spencer Brash, Cal Poly. This is great. Uh, junior. Giovanni McCoy, Idaho. Redshirt freshman. Um, Dante Shasher, Portland State. Redshirt freshman. It, it, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, Tommy Malott, Montana State. And it's like, it's such an amazing, I mean, gift would maybe the right word, or asset to have when you have a quarterback who's a junior or senior who's played and can carry a team. And when we have those guys, we are hoping that a... Touchdown Samari Toure. All right. Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's give that up. Let's give that I just pulled up the stats. The Bills are killing us, but Samari just got a touchdown. Love it. Um, nice. Speaking of talent, you know, recruited oh, yeah. and uh, nice uh, job, I, you know, developed here. Um, I, but uh, what was I saying right before we started celebrating? Sorry. Here? Oh no, but I mean, like, if you want a, like, we rely on transfers for that, and it just, yeah, like, no wonder yeah. we don't ever recruit QBs. And my question is, why would a, why would a recruited quarterback ever want to come here? You know, and the, the statistical chances of a Montana QB coming in and being an all-big side conference QB are fairly low at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're pretty good about getting a Montana QB every couple of years. We've got mm-hmm. one from Helena Capital who's on, who's on the redshirt, who's redshirt freshman right now. But why would they come? Because what, what, in, what in this coaching staff's even approach to QBs would say you have any chance of developing into a starter Dude, and th- this philosophy is so frustrating because it's not like Bobby's the Bill Belichick of FCS football. No, right? Like we don't we don't we don't have championships like to hang our hats on. Like this is the philosophy and the strategy by which we get quarterbacks and turn teams into national champions. Right? This is clearly a failed strategy. Yes. Sorry. When 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 do you when do you change up? I mean, history says you don't. <laughs> right? I mean, you should. But I mean, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago where we were I think it was after the Idaho loss where we weren't gonna all just agree with everything on every side. So maybe I'm gonna move into a devil's advocate role yeah, here a little it. bit. So let me let me let's hear it. I might not wholeheartedly like agree with a lot of the arguments I'm gonna dip into, but I just kinda wanna provide some counterpoint. But um this team is a one loss or no loss team with transfer Lucas Johnson. Lucas played the whole Idaho game, so it's hard to say we are undefeated. So that's a tough argument. The Grizz were just bad in that game. A healthy Lucas Johnson, we beat Sacramento State. A healthy Lucas Johnson, I think we beat Weaver. I just feel like that we were right. close, but, I mean, it's just like, okay, the quarterback play had to be a little better. So don't tell me that the transfer quarterback process doesn't work because we can't – and I'm Mike's loading up because I, I don't – I'm having a hard time justifying this whole argument. We're damn close. Oh yeah, let's let, let let's make this let's make this Sean Rainey's scare like a straw man because uh, he tweeted out and this is like a this was a subtle this is the way Sean Rainey's critical of the Grizz and like really clever and subtle ways arguments he goes tweet from uh, last night tough part is if Grizz offense is just I'm adding the inflection here slightly below average the last two weeks they beat two top seven teams on the road. 
He's right. And he's totally right. He's yeah. totally right. So in in this argument you're presenting here is, so, I mean, is and, super true. And that's like that's like the Bobby. Why don't you play? Why don't you play Brett? Why is Brown still in there? It's like because neither of those two are expected to be our starting quarterback. And um, I already know the counterpoint is that you've not had a season with your starting quarterback playing every game, so your backup needs to be ready. Uh, but I think the the overreaction of Bobby has been to multiple national championship games with or close or playoff runs or Big Sky Conference titles. Well, two of the transfer three were with Cole Berkwist. Yeah. Cole Berkwist started two of those three right. games, right? No. Started one, 08. 08. Sell Sell. I think I think uh, Roper actually started that game. No, I'm just kidding. No, Sell had it by that point. No, no, no. And then the other one was Oaks in 04. And then, you know, semifinals with Swagger. Yeah, I'm not anti-transfer QB. No, no, I, I really you. like Lucas Johnson, and thank God he's here. But it's just frustrating. And I really think, like... How many of that? How many of those guys could have maybe developed if we'd given them a chance? Like, you know, QBs don't get better unless they play. How are we going to get transfer quarterbacks if we're just developing our own? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to screw up the whole system, Mike. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I'm so conflicted, and I think probably all of our listeners are too about this. About this weird parallel universe in which um, Luke J is healthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think about it, like, constantly the last two weeks. If he doesn't get cheap-shotted... The coaches look like geniuses. Yeah. Right? But there were still problems with the offense. Like, the offense hasn't looked good all year, which means that there's more to this than the QBs. Like, I I just... And we, we talked about it three weeks ago. Like, I just... Our offensive design, there's no identity. There's, there hasn't been. And if you look back to the whole tenure of this staff, if we don't have a mobile QB yeah. who actually can be mobile. And stay healthy. And stay healthy, we don't have an offense. No. Nope. Because if you if you look at it last year, we were very inconsistent on offense. Cam was mobile enough to make the offense be servable at points. But yeah. we obviously were frustrated and felt like the talent should have been better. I obviously led that charge. I wanted Chris Brown to play because I – you knew this. We've got a ceiling. There's more, but when Snead was hurt, completely one-dimensional. When yeah. Johnson's not in there, completely one-dimensional. It's like, what on earth? Do you know what I think we need is a true dual-threat quarterback, someone who runs well, throws it well, uh, someone who's tough and competitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Think, oh man! So I, I think you've got some spinoff kind of things here, and it, it is, it, 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 Mike. You're totally right, though. It, it's it's a broader picture thing, and it was kind of funny. I was I was thinking about maybe a, a bad or kind of stupid analogy here, but I have been a realtor for 22 and a half years. I was a damn good real. I, I have been a damn good realtor my whole career. Cheers. I was damn good realtor of the year. This right, yeah, realtor of the year. Let's so. Link. I was a damn good realtor in 2005, Recal. six, seven, eight. I, I did a lot of good shit. It was, it was, you know, it was, it, it was, I, I owed a lot of success to what I knew and how I worked in that industry. Okay. But things changed. Yeah. And guess what I did? You I changed with the times. And so it's kind of interesting because, and the funny thing is, so I never got out of the business and came back into it or something like that. I continued to adapt because the market changed. You didn't have to get hand signatures on documents. You could email things, websites, technology, video tours, things like this, right? So you recognize that while 
the old way is nice and comfortable and easy. And yes, it worked in 2005 or 2000 for me. Things also change and other people learn ways. Some things went away, some other stuff stopped working. And some new innovations came in that made a lot of this business a lot easier or allowed you to innovate a lot better and continue to be successful in it. And I still owe my success to being able to adapt and also look back on previous times and grow and build and have a good foundation what I had there. It feels like, and what's fascinating as well too, is Mike and I know this, there's a lot of old dogs in our business still that do what they used to do in 1985 and they still make a living by it, but they're, you know, but it's like, and I'm not to knock, not to knock the old school style. I'm not saying anything bad about any actual practicer, but you know, it's like, they're not like, they're stuck in their ways. They do what they do. It works for them, but it's nothing that's super splashy. It's usually someone that's not like wildly successful in this industry. And it's because times change, people change, and people need to adapt and get with what is current with the times. I'm not saying all of a sudden we need to, and you look at it in like the football world of things and stuff needs to change. And we saw this with Clicksby was tweeting about this um, where it's like the big sky conference isn't what the big sky conference was in 2007, eight, nine. Teams are better. Teams recruit different. They bring in different kids. It's like you can't tell me that you can just do the same thing that worked 15 years ago and you're going to get the exact same results. Because I know in my business, you wouldn't. And I would assume, well, I think we're kind of seeing it. Um, it's not happening at Montana football either. And I would anticipate there's going to be a counterargument that come my way saying, we do all sorts of different things, but it just, you know, you don't understand. You don't see behind the curtain, which I don't. Which is true, it, but it's also kind of a bullshit but it's excuse. like. But I see, like, we see what we see on the field. Okay, all I and know. then we see, like, again, we see Dante Shashare. We see, you know, we see MSU. We see, like, well, what all these other programs are, like, well, doing we, and succeeding we, with. And yeah, it's like, we, how? We can't see the recipes, right? But we no. can, But we can see what the entrees yeah. are in front of us. And we can compare and contrast yeah. between different programs, yeah. different systems. Yeah. I screwed We're dumb, up. right? But we, like... <laughs> We're not rookies at watching football. It's kind of yeah. a thing we've done all of our life. And what I know for sure is that this offense I mean, if, is not working. No. And, you know, we're we're five years into this new tenure. This is the fourth full season right. plus the COVID year. So that's five recruiting classes. I'm sorry, but this team came into the season with championship expectations with yeah. top two seed home field throughout the playoffs expectations voted to win the conference voted to win the conference you embrace that stuff like which is you know five years into any coaching tenure if things are going well you should be expected to be one of the top dogs especially at a place like montana yeah so to lose three in a row and i don't i understand that we we had injuries it sucks bad bounces bad, bad calls, bounces things don't like go that. our way but at the end of the day three losses and we're, if we get in the playoffs, we're not going to be a seed. No. If we win out, we're in the playoffs. If we don't beat Montana State, we're very much a bubble team. Like yeah. oh, a bubble time. team that's probably on the outside looking in. Probably. Unless a few things fall our way. And frankly, to me, I, I truly believe that this team, if they can make the playoffs, and if Luka Johnson is healthy, no one's going to want to play him. No. It's strange, and I said it last week. The Grizz historically have struggled to win playoff road games, but with a defense like that, I think that they could go do it. But either way, the fact that we are even in this position yeah. means the staff underachieved this year. 
They got outcoached against Idaho, like yep. outcoached badly. Yeah. They got outcoached to Sac State for part of the game, and they got outcoached on offense this game. The defense came to play, yeah. and I mean, I know that people are going to be all upset, and but it's it's frustrating because I actually don't believe this is the players' fault. Like, there's not a whole lot you can point to and say, God, the players are screwing this up, or one guy's doing this, or one guy's doing that. We're putting Brown in bad situations, and maybe Brown's not an FCS starting QB. Yeah, fair. But there's, there, there, it doesn't feel like there's anything been done on the offensive side to help these guys out when they need it. And that, to me, is frustrating. I think that echoes what everybody's thinking. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on the coaches, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble later behind the scenes. But I I don't know. Like someone's gonna pull me aside at QB Club tomorrow. I feel like you gotta watch him. No, but I also, I also feel like we, what we do here is it's like part catharsis. Like we're feeling this, and we know we know a lot of Grizz Nations feeling this as well. And maybe it's unfounded um, sort of angst. Sure, but you know we want to win. Obviously, the coaches definitely want to win. The players are competitive and they want to win and something's not clicking it doesn't feel right and right. it's like we're getting anxious yeah yeah i think i mean it's hard to critique the defense two big plays both third downs i didn't see the run play the first touchdown i saw the pass touchdown and granted i don't know who made the mistake if it was supposed to be if ford was supposed to trail the receiver or if Fouch was supposed to come over. Um, you know, we saw one replay of the whole thing on TV. So, But was, I think yeah. what happens is getting right. anxious. Like, the defense, like that play, and I was talking to – actually, I was talking to Jay about this. It sounds like maybe the run play was kind of the same thing. Like, they're get, you're getting anxious. You're recognizing, like, you got it. you've got to be, like, make this, like, do the hero ball play on this one play. And maybe if based on some things we saw, if Fouch was supposed to get that vertical route on the sideline while Ford plays the flat, Weaver throws to the slot, they pick up a first down, but they don't but the Grizz don't give up a touchdown. But Fouch flies in to try to stop that short play. Ford thinks he's got the help over the top, and boom, it's a deep strike. And that I mean, in retrospect, I mean, winds up well, no, it wasn't the top end play. There was enough but you know, it's kind of the one where it's like a you just have these few situations where the defense is so on edge that they've got to just play perfect, flawless games. Um, and then you just get, like, one or two lapses, which happens, like we talked about. And, unfortunately, that winds up being part of the difference, too, which is just it's gut-wrenching because it's, like, against any team. I mean, maybe save the Idaho game. I don't think the defense has put this team in a bad spot and I, I, I have a hard time faulting them in the Idaho game because the offense gave them short field with two turnovers in the sec, in the fourth quarter there. Um, but it's just like, you know, they, they got to yeah. get help on this offensive side of the ball. I mean, they held Weber to, what, 24 points? It's like you hold a top-five opponent on the road to low 20s? You should win that game. Mm-hmm. You know, you held Sac State to well underneath their um, – Statistical output and 20 points, right? Underneath their scoring average. They scored 31. They're averaging 54 a game on the road. I mean, it's like well, you, you should win these games. And this is 
you know, there there is a saying in sports where, right, like the game's over. Um, you watch some film, you learn some things, you correct for it, you junk it, move on. Right. right? The, these points you're just making, like how close we've been. Yeah. They, it does make me just want to junk it and say like, just fuck it. Just we got Lucas Johnson back. You'd think oh next week we better. You'd think. I hope so. But next week is a perfect week if Johnson isn't back to play Brit. Like they should beat Cal Poly with you at QB next week. Listen seriously. I legit think I could probably throw a four yard out. I'm not and so sure. I'm God, just gonna. I, st- would, I could stare six, down. Yeah, pick six. Pick six. <laughs> I would. That could be. No, I would for sure. <laughs> but right, like it's. It's not like I could stare down a slot receiver and throw a four yard out, or maybe not me, but like. NAI quarterbacks could throw a four yard out. It's just tough. I mean, like you just it, it it feels like it was so clear that the offense as a whole was so far below what it should be acceptable for an FCS game. I mean, 114 yards of offense. I want to know the last time in UM history they had that little offense. I, I mean, it get, had to be like a play up game. Um, yeah, we were like maybe Iowa or something. Tennessee and Johnson's first but, start. Or... But you're right. We should win this game next week pretty easily. Yeah. So even if Johnson does start, great opportunity to pull him early and get Brit snaps. <laughs> pull him early. Keep him healthy. Keep him healthy. I All actually right, think well, if there's any doubt, I don't play him next week. I was like, I might suit him up, kind of like we did with Snead in Idaho a few so, years ago. But I mean, but again, throw on the coach hat. Why am I going to play my third string quarterback if I believe Chris Brown is the best, the next best I option to win don't me games? Believe that if you are an FCS D one coaching staff, you can watch game film from this week and still believe that. Yeah, I know, I know. Like That's, if I'm, tr- they, I'm trying to make this argument, if yeah. they do. And they don't believe that there's anybody else on that depth chart because, like, Abbott, the, the transfer from Oregon, was the third QB this week. But right. they don't believe there's anybody right. else on the team that could come in and do better. Like, what are we doing? But And especially when you see the way that the play is, right? Like, stare down the one first option. And if it's there, throw it. If not, eat the sack. That yeah. seems to be the game plan, right? <laughs> right? And I think it was Joel Chipman on Twitter who said something about, like, if you aren't throwing it, like, put Britt in because at least he could actually run it. But right. I'm pretty sure he could throw a four-yard out. It would help. But, again, Chris Brown could throw a four-yard out, but whenever he was tasked to throw the ball, it was third and ten. What the hell good is a four-yard out going to do? And, you know, I will say the closest Bobby came to criticizing Brown's play is um, there's video out there in the postgame them asking about how come you never threw it deep. And he kind of said, well, there's a deep option on every play. And that's all he said. And it was kind of like, so are you saying that there were circumstances that they couldn't get to it? Like... They were closing in on him, yeah. or was he not looking for him? Or I don't know. It was interesting. Actually, that's that's that brings up a whole other wrinkle, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I do th- I do think there's a conversation to be had about the offensive line. Um, yeah. Real quickly, uh, the lowest out- offensive output I can find. We had almost 350 yards against Tennessee wow. in 2011. 144 yards, 2006 Iowa road game. 
So we had 30 more yards against Iowa in an opener. Historically bad offense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So, there you go. Gross. Gross. O-line. Like you were saying. So check this out. I was like, okay. Let's look at our recruits. Let's look at our roster. What's fascinating is, looking at the Grizz roster, here's some clicking here because I had it up, but now I think I've lost it. Um, we still have a few guys from, I think, Stitt recruit era. Mm-hmm. Garrett Blumendahl, Cody Canoose. Our list is redshirt juniors. So I think they would have been incoming in Stitt's final year with the COVID year. I think that's right. Um, and Hunter McGinnis came in, I think, as a transfer. Or no, came in at that point as well, too. You gave it last year as a transfer. No, uh, that was Dylan, the, the other McGinnis. Oh, gotcha. The, uh, the starting McGinnis. So 2019, here's our O-line recruits. Johnny Barthel, Barthel, Dimitri Saligor, Cordell Pillins, Mo Mallory, Colin Dries. I'm sorry. Let me hop to 2018 first. 18, Tyler Gadown. Played a couple snaps one year. Yep. Gone. Sean Anderson. Backed up, but never started. Cody Hartsach. Hmm. Trevor Wellnell. Connor Quick and Bobcat starting guard Cole Sane. I know. <laughs> 2019. So that's crazy. so basically. But he, Cole, in fairness to the coaching staff, he quit on the team. Yeah. Then he came back and walked on. Yeah. But of course, yeah, Bobby, like, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's 2019 then. So, so basically, the 18 class, we got nothing. Tyler Gannon played a little bit. 2019, Johnny Barthel. Demetri Saligar, Cordell Pillins played a little bit. Mo Mallory played his junior year, rotated transfer his job again. his senior year. Transfer. Cordell Pillins also transferred. Transfer. Colin Dreis who, and Dylan Botner both are backup tackles right now. Brandon Casey, our starting tackle. And then I listed uh, Journey Grimsrud, even though he was listed as a defensive tackle. Recruited <laughs> at the time, and now he's second-string guard and started a game for us. 2020. Three recruits total. Kevin Good, he's on the roster. I don't think he's on the depth. AJ Forbes, transfer. Yeah. Keela Lincoln on the roster. I don't think he's on the depth either. 2021, um, Bo Kinney, Declan McCabe, and Liam Brown. Liam starting. Um, 22, Dylan McGinnis. We had him for a semester. We had him for spring ball. And Ethan Barney. Listed as a 22 recruit. I don't. I think he's redshirting. Yep, he's on the roster. Six four three hundred. So it's like you go down and you look at this list, and it's like, and especially. I mean, the fascinating thing is like 19. We had a lot of guys, but then we have some backups and a whole bunch of guys that we lost. And then 2020, we had three recruits. And 21, we had three recruits. And 22, we had. Well, one's gone, so. We had one, and so it's like this. Plenishing this this vitally important position. I have a question, Brent. Yeah. How many coaches stuck around from the Stitt uh, staff to the Bobby staff that are still here? To Justin Green and Chad Germer. What, what position does he coach? <laughs> Justin's running back and Chad is O-line. Oh. So we've had the same O-line coach for the last eight seasons? Yes, sir. How many 
recruited alignment have we developed in the last eight oh seasons? Oh, my God. That's a great question. That I don't know. I mean. Any first-team All-Big Sky guys in those eight years? Nah, that I can not that I can think about that like, way. What is going on? Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to pick on the coaches either, but it's just like, what's going on? Yeah. How come other teams in the Big Sky with less advantages can do this? And people are going to throw out all kinds of excuses. Like, well, it's tough to recruit to Montana. It's tough to recruit to Bozeman. It's tough to recruit to Idaho. It's, and it's like, what is going on? Sack, Portland, Idaho, Weaver, Cats all have great talent on their O-line. Don't tell me that we are tougher to recruit here than there. I mean, in my opinion, it's got to be – I think there's a lot of things. I think it harkens back to my really failed argument on real estate 15 years ago versus now. But um, is it the profile of kid that this team wants to recruit? Is a profile of kid that was a great get 15 years ago that doesn't really exist anymore like we've heard this enough like the transfer portal is a terrible thing it's a scary thing look at all this and i know we bring transfers in so it's not that they're anti-transfer because we clearly know they're not but is there just too much principle on the type of kids you want to get where it's like look damn it like all these other programs have built up really good o-linemen o-lines i mean you just can't tell me that someone goes and visits portland state or Sac State and comes here they and come you look at the here. you look at the fans, you look I mean you look at ev- the facilities and you look at all this. I mean, maybe it's a close to home argument or you know the buddy also. Like I get you don't win every recruiting battle, but it's like don't tell me the University of Montana is hard to recruit to because I don't think there's any other program in this conference save like for an educational reason. Um like if you want to be an engineer that Montana shouldn't be in the top choice. Yeah. I mean, the only school in the conference, in the entire conference, that right now I think you can make an argument that that it's tough to recruit head-to-head and we're going to win some and lose some is the Cats. Cats. Because yeah. they have gotten to the point where they have just as good of a game day atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They've got a school that's freaking on fire. Like, it's an attractive place to go. So, Cats, absolutely. Everybody else, like, I get so sick of the excuses yeah. because... The excuses don't take into account that, that Montana has a few things that no other program at this level has, except right. maybe NDSU and the Cats a little bit. Yeah. 25,000 plus fans come in. Like, you run out of that tunnel, you walk people out there, they sit on the sidelines at a home game. Like, they should be blown away. Like, what are we missing? The facilities are great. Yeah. Like, we've, we've taken huge steps there. Yeah. Missoula is a great place to be. And, and people are going to say, oh, people don't like to come there. They're like, well, but then you know what? That would be the same excuse for Bozeman. That would be the same excuse for Idaho. That would be the same excuse for Cheney. That would be the same excuse for all these places. Yes. It just, I, something is off. It's, I mean, it, it's got to be there. I mean, the only thing I can allude to is that this profile, the type of player that this team wants to recruit is now a diminishing profile to the point where it becomes way too hard to get as many hits in your recruiting pool. And so it seems like, especially if you look at these last three years where they've added two to three guys, a handful being transfers, that it's, I mean, it's just not working. Mm -hmm. I don't know what more to say. I mean, it's like 18, they had a bunch of kids, 19, they had a bunch of kids. And I was like, after that, it was just like a small pool of linemen 
And then you have transfers coming in that, and that that's the challenge with transfers, right? They bring in McGinnis's brother, and I think I think he he played a you know he did spring ball, and I think if I remember correctly, there was kind of some health reasons and stuff. So it's just like, I mean, shit happens, man. And it's just like, I know they're after a kid from Georgia, but he kind of, at least this is now this is me moving into message board world. If it was the kid that the people were tying to on the message board, it kind of would have not been the a good PR type move. So it's like, that's sometimes your reliance on transfers is going to fall through big time because these kids don't work out. You know, they don't come. <laughs> you're sitting here and it's, it's July and you're hoping to get two or three guys out of the portal and none of them come and you're stuck with what you got. Um, yeah, this is like, and, and now it's like, you look at the prospects for, we, we're going to have to replace the left tackle because um, Walker's Walker's a senior. And is it McGinnis? No, that's that's the only that's the only senior we got on the old line. So I mean, but it's just like, but again, it's like, like how's this depth coming along? I mean, just like what is going on? And yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm with you too, Mike. It's just like I, the location argument is is hard to fathom <laughs> when you go to places like Greeley, yeah, and Cheney. And, and I mean, in Moscow, really and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking these, you know, but it's just like, we're all small mountain towns, like, and they bring the kids in. So it's just like, don't tell me that that's, it's like, oh, it's a Missoula thing. Like if you're like, but let's even, let's just even say if you're a Montana recruit and you've watched both programs and you play offense, you play defense. Montana is absolutely a place. You oh, want hell to yeah. Go. Like, yeah. What a fun defense to play in. Hard nosed, hit a lot, tackle. Absolutely. If you play offense and you've got to choose between Montana and Montana State at this point, if you're a receiver, you're probably looking to go out of state, frankly. <laughs> yeah. um, but what about, like, what about our offense the last several years has been, has made you think, God, I want to go play in that? Yeah. No identity. None. Thinking about game day atmosphere um, <laughs> and to, to release some little pressure here. You guys know how, like, Brent, Brent, you know how Bozeman at MSU, before the players come out, they have a, I don't know. Someone on a horse. A posse of, horse, <laughs> yeah. a posse of horsemen charge out into the field. It's low-key kind of cool. Yeah, no, like, It's saying. like, holy shit. Yeah, no. Horses are fast, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Um, guess what they do at Weber? <laughs> God, I don't know. They ride out on e-bikes. Shut up. <laughs> the cheerleaders run e-bikes. Shut the fuck I up. I wish they really? had taken a photo because I would have actually tweeted it for the pod. Like, credit to MSU. Your entry's way better it than was, these guys. It was <laughs> really lame. It was so dumb. But, um, but so we should come out on, like, segways. Yeah. No, that's like, or, I mean, if you live in Missoula, you guys have all seen that that guy who's got like the single wheel thing and is like in between his ankles, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And the, like the black helmet, he zips around. Yeah. Yeah. Having that kid like fire out of their like <laughs> their locker room would have been way cooler <laughs> than the male cheerleaders on e bikes. E bikes. Oh my god. It was god. really funny. That's incredible. And I was like, Bravo, MSU. There <laughs> <laughs> you go, cats. You got one. Damn it. Oh man. <laughs> That's something. I um, I I just hope that people listen to this whole segment and not just parts of it where we're frustrated with certain things because 
there are so many talented players on this team. And Brent kind of made the point, like, they are fighting hard. And despite all this, we are literally this close to being a one-loss team. Like, the Idaho team, they just lost. But the next two games, like, they could have won. Adversity didn't go their way. Right. I really liked, and I, I know you highlighted this on Twitter, Brent, but Justin Ford's comments after the game. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was super mature, uh, a lot of strong leadership there. And it's hearing him say that, like how calm and like level-headed he was after a loss about uh, the trajectory of this team that yep. was the way out. I was... It's it's one of those like little checks you put on the side of uh, maybe this team can still have a run in, in it. Oh, I I know it can, and I, I mean I'm with you, Luke. I think uh, I think one thing that good college athletes are able to do is always block out the noise. Um, and so while we the fans and our social media posts and and whatnot in other places and amongst friends and conversations and what we think and what we feel um, can suggest complete lost hope. I think when you talk to or hear from players like you hear from Ford uh, or like you hear from players' parents talking to their kids and stuff like this, like I, I don't really think there's – I don't think that locker room's rattled. I don't think in the sense of like it's falling apart. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think to a man, they absolutely believe that, um, it's all, I mean, all the goals are, some of the goals are gone, but like when the big sky, but the goal of, you know, beat cats, get to the postseason, make a run, who the hell knows what after that, that's all there still. And they all control that destiny and they're not going to let certain stuff phase them. And I mean, I think didn't Ford even in his quote say like, you know, we had two games down to the wire on the road against top five teams without yep. our starting quarterback. Yep. Like, I mean, and he's speaking the truth. It's not that he's he. That's not a spin. So. Um, yeah, yeah, the Weber stake there at Weber. There's a really nice gentleman behind us. Um. And we were kind of chatting about the teams like yeah. midway, like maybe at halftime. Yeah. And he didn't realize it was our backup quarterback. And he, like, you could tell it in his face, like. Was he a Chris fan or a Weber fan? He's a Weber fan. Okay. Were you guys with the Chris fans or were you? No, we were at, we were behind the Weber bench. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Um, but he's like, man, this is a good game. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we're being complimentary of each other's teams. And um, I said something like, I really wish, uh, I was really ex- hoping and expecting a little bit that our starting quarterback would be back today. Yeah. And you could see it in his face. He was like, "Oh, this isn't your starting quarterback." Like, you, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, like this is this is our number two. And it, you know, you could see him doing the calculus in real time about like how dangerous this team would be with a better quarterback, or you know, better quarterback play. Yeah. You know, ten yeah. percent better. Yeah, I had that similar conversation with two Weber fans walking out because we were talking about the one hundred fourteen yards. Like, it was only one hundred fourteen yards, and I was like, "Yeah." Can you believe that? And I was like, no, we should have pulled our quarterback after two series. And he's like, well, your starter was hurt. And I was like, yeah, the third guy, it couldn't have been any worse. Like, oh, yeah, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to talk about it anymore, but I did. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I just, I, I, we're this close. And I, I've said, and I'll say it again, like, I am strangely confident in this team's ability to go win some road playoff games. So let's take care of, the, take care of the business the rest of the season. 
We should have two easily winnable games before the CAC game. Yeah. I am feeling very confident in this team's ability to win the CAC game. So I'm just going to put that out there right now. Yeah. But we need Lucas Johnson healthy to do it. Yeah. I think, so, like you said, Luke, I think now maybe good point. Like, flush these last three, the month of October. Luke Rounds had a great tweet about it, right? Like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> this month's over. And you guys, Niners got you a win today. That was a hell of a game. So you're on right? a... Hey. You're on a... Okay, so it, now... It, that some good things are starting to happen. And Ture, right? first NFL touchdown. Actually, uh, Malik Flowers ties right? the... Yeah, that was really cool. Like, yeah. that moment in that game, like, you kind of thought for a moment... That guy. Like, Holy oh crap, this might be a linchpin. Like, this could be a thing for us. Like, I, I got a slight Twitter disagreement, and I was, you know, super tired because I was on two hours of sleep yesterday. We love it when you're a little bit off on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like... I, I will die on this hill, and I understand the argument that Mark Mariani made the Pro Bowl as a kick returner, and so, like, the breadth of his career, he is a better kick returner because he could do it in the NFL. Yes, I understand. But as a Grizz, as an FCS player, in the role that he's in, we have never, we, we've never had anyone close to this guy. Well, didn't, and, he, didn't he tie the, the FCS record? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's just so it's like I, I also think we compartmentalize college and NFL career arcs like all the mean, time, and we can do it here too. I mean, if Malik can somehow find because, like, obviously, Mark's translation of the NFL was that he was an incredible receiver and a punt returner, kick returner, like, he was a multi tool guy. And I just don't know a lot of NFL teams that are just drafting kickoff return specialists right now. Um, now, granted, I've seen a lot of NFL teams like Team I Cheer for have shit return units, so who knows, maybe. But, um, and yeah, uh, and the rules have changed now, too. Yeah, right? they, like they, well, they changed the kickoff. Kick I mean, off. you can neutralize a good kick returner a lot easier now than yeah. you could have years ago. Um, but, man, what, what a career for this guy. And it's just so amazing that, you know, it's like some guys some we, we've talked about this before like guys with like special talent sometimes well and maybe not special but guys with eye-popping stats sometimes only do it in meaningless games or against a division two school or you know something like that but it's like malik's kick returns in many points were like game saving or or like like when the when the chips when the tide seemed totally you know like a tide turning type play unfortunately now twice in these last two years, he's had momentous kick returns to put the team back in, and the team was unable to capitalize upon it. But it was like when Weber scored that touchdown, I was like, that's it. Game's over. It's a two-score lead. Like, this offense has put three points on the board. Like, it's not happening. I think I and, turned to Luke and was like, the only thing that can keep us in it is if he returns it for a touchdown. And it was like – and so it's just like this guy's talent to, like, show up in such, like, big dire moments like that is something and that's like Mariani-esque like the Mariani kick return against so, well that's South exactly Dakota what State. I turned to and it was just it was like, Kyle afterwards yeah. I said that's that reminds me of the Mariani game like they, they, yeah this could be our thing and they kicked off and they just, the defense just couldn't stop him and you know what it was a long day for the defense so I I get it it sucks but yeah. you know the one thing that was amazing we didn't tackle either of their top two ball carriers for a loss all game Really? We never once hit them behind the line of scrimmage. Are you sure about that? Go look at the stats. Okay, because I thought in I that thought, last time, um, uh, uh, Gub had Gubner won. tackled someone for a loss, Neg- loss of four. But 
Do you know what they 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 managed to recruit some old linemen to Auckland? So <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Um, I mean, I see some, I see tackles for a loss, but I don't know. Obviously so who it's on the on the to, right? on the gogris dot com uh, stats page, oh, uh, yeah, Dante yeah. McMillan had twenty three attempts, gained hundred yards, lost a zero, net one hundred. Okay. So, um, Damon oh, Bankston okay. had nine carries, seventy nine yards, zero, net seventy nine. Jack Chris Jackson had nine carries, thirty three yards, lost two. So they hit him behind the back. So I see when I'm looking at the stat book. I see everyone credited with a tackle for a loss is also credited with a sack, except for one instance, and that is Braxton Hill and Alex Governor shared a tackle for a loss. Everyone else's were sacks. So we had one, and that was that late one. But, yeah, no, fascinating. Hmm. <sighs> well, I th- okay, so where I was, was kind of going is I think we've got, like Luke had said, I mean, you gotta you gotta just blast this month into the sun. I mean, um, all they can do is focus on what's in front of them. So you gotta look at it like this: it's a new season. Um, I I don't think you can say like the playoffs start Saturday. That just feels like too extreme of a. But maybe, maybe they not. do so. But so I was looking at this. It's like okay, Cal Poly is a bad football team. That puts up some okay passing numbers, but otherwise, they are—they're just not good. Um, they've shown some some great stuff, I guess, statistically, but uh, but outside of that, um, Cal Poly is is just a team that is not doing it right now. So it's like, okay, what is the goal for this week? The goal this week—I mean, I think defense just keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. but it's. But it's like, uh, but it's like, okay, so like, this Cal Poly game, I think is like, I don't want to say baby steps because it needs to be bigger than that. But it's like, okay, let's clean, let, let's do this. Let's get it to four to five yards of carry. Let's get thirty plus points on the board. Um, let's score points in the second half. Let, let's outscore the opponent in the second half. You know, things like that where it's just like, let's treat this game like. Maybe the first game of the new season. And approach this in a sense that, okay, we've got two games against teams that we should beat at home to clean all this shit up, mostly on offense, somewhat on special teams, <laughs> a little teeny tiny bit on defense, um, to get us ready for the, for the brawl. Uh, so whether you say the playoffs start now, which the thing I worry about, like the mental aspect, if it's like, okay, this is the playoffs, so we got to win every game from here on out. I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if I really like that with three games to go. But um, but it's just like, okay, so this is new season, and game one is Saturday, and it's Cal Poly. And if we can clean up on this offensive side, have this O-line get back to the way they played in that Sacramento game and not the way they played in this damn Weaver game, like open these lanes and block a bit, and let's, let's get 150 on the ground, let's get – I don't even care. Like two plus in the air, and let's outscore them in the second in the second half. Have a positive turnover margin, and don't get any goddamn field goals blocked. Like baby steps. Like we don't. And, and if we beat them thirty-one to ten, cool. Like we've made improvements. And then the next week, here comes Eastern, and I think that's like got to be the one where it's like, okay, we've got to really start to put this throttle down now. And now we need to. Now we need four fifty plus total average. Um, total yardage and now we need to 
put 40 or more on the board, you know, and it's like, and then roll into it. I just, you've got to just pretend like this is not pretend you have to actually, you know, just actually lock in. And this is, this is a new season. It's a new stretch and you got to go forward with it. And I think these two games are just so pivotal for this team to be able to go to Bozeman to be, to win that game. Um, yeah. And it starts with Polly. Saturday night. Yep. So. Night game. Should be fun. Yeah. I mean, credit out, like, shout out to a couple things. It's something we haven't touched on because we've been so focused on the offense. O'Connell went down in that game. Yeah. Um, and didn't come back. Right. So hopefully that's not serious. He said he was walking around on the sideline. He had ice taped to his leg somewhere. Okay. But he stayed uh, in pads the whole game. Yeah. I, I think I saw him kind of jogging up and down, like. I think he got his ankle taped, and then maybe he can't injury like Braxton had, maybe. Or something. And he was like running around on it, and I think he determined like after a new tape job or a more robust support system on his around his ankle, he was like, "Nah, it's a little tender still." And yeah. He didn't go back in. Um, two games in a row with a Justin Ford interception. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, I really respected Weber for going at. Like being willing to yeah. throw at Justin. Yep. And McPherson, their their number number one receiver, um, he had the one the big touchdown and the number. Yeah, you know, good good on them. I don't want to take anything away from them. Yeah, they got us. Yeah. Ford jumped that uncovered cross route below. I just don't. That's, I don't know knows. if it's Ford Hop or Fouch cover or they both screwed it up. I mean, you, who knows? yeah, who knows? But um, I really respected them for throwing at him and Ford. Did four things. Came up with a pick. Love it. And uh, it wasn't like... And that was... They were driving a little on that one, I think, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, there was a couple... There was multiple situations where we were got a few first downs. And it was like, uh-oh. And then tightened up. Ford gets a pick. There's a couple times, right? They crossed midfield, and then we stopped him right there. I love the way Ford talks to the opponent's sideline. Oh, really? He, oh, yeah. He is constantly talking to them. <laughs> and I noticed at the end of the game, um, he went right over to the sideline yeah. and you know shook hands and hugged a lot of people over oh, yeah. there. So I think it's all good competitive sure. banter and stuff. Like, it's it's all part of the game. Um, but I, I just love it. I don't know. I watch him constantly. I think it's fascinating just in all the years of watching, like, superstar players that the Grizz have had. And some have definitely had a very cocky mentality to them. And to be a cornerback, like, on the field, you definitely have to be. But, like, we've seen this when we go to practices and stuff. Like, Ford is a coach on the field as well, too. And hyper-competitive guy, incredible shit-talker, but is also <laughs> but is also not a guy where it's like, I am the best. Like, even, even like, in spring and fall camp where it's just like, man, I'm doing all this and you guys are, you know, you young guys are screwing this up. He's, like, working with the young guys. He's talking with the safeties. He's uh, he's hyping up his other guys and stuff. He's, after a game, he's congratulating, you know, opposing, you know, the, the battles lost and out there, you know, giving props to the other guys. I mean, he's, he's a great guy. I think, um, I mean, really going to miss everything about this guy uh, whenever this season ends. But, uh Look forward to cheering, yeah. cheering him on in the pros. So I, 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 I absolutely assume he's got a shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about that, but I, I really enjoy him. Um, last guy I want to kind of highlight: Levi, Levi Jankaro has been having a 
Oh, my God. Yeah. A great run on defense the last few weeks. Um, when Braxton got hurt, he really stepped up. But even as Braxton's con- come back, he's he's playing a lot. Will Levi be the next 37? <laughs> or wait, what class is it going to be? You want to be a junior next year or be a senior? It might be a senior. I don't know. Does Bobby have any more kids? <laughs> he's a redshirt junior this year. So. I'm going to let that one slide. Just, <laughs> I've, I've done too much critical to, to touch that right now. Um, all right. I put, think put I a mean, ball on that. Yeah, it is full circle though, Mike, but it's like it's like we, we can be critical as fans and we can bitch about stuff that frustrates us, but like we love and support this team and we want to be there for these yeah. guys and we absolutely believe like there's a ton of stuff this can still do. No one, no one at this table and a whole bunch of people – and you got on me about this, and you're right. I shouldn't read on the message boards, especially they have a loss. But it's like there's not a lot of people who are just like throwing their hands in the air saying yeah. this is all over. Don't Forget let a few this. really over negative people paint your view. Yeah. There's a crazy woman out there on Twitter. There's kind of a loser guy out there on Twitter. There's a few people who are whatever. Ignore them. Yep. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I think we can. I guess what I'll wrap up with is if anybody thinks that we were too negative in this conversation, Luke and I just spent seven hours in a car driving home from the Grizz game we went to this weekend. Longer than we had to drive. Yeah, Kyle Sample maybe took a slight wrong turn. We went 45 minutes out of our way. Somehow staying on I-15. He he somehow missed it. Like when you hit I-90? No, well before, like much closer to Ogden. Oh, no. Okay, Trenton, Trenton, Utah. Yeah, to your point. Okay, yeah, to the point. Like, we're fans. We love this team. We're gonna be there cheering next week. Yep. We do this podcast because we enjoy it. I mean, we don't we don't make money on this. We don't charge charge anything for ads. We don't do that. Like, this is for fun. So we want it to be fun. And if we weren't diehard supporters, we wouldn't be doing it. So. You know, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, rest of the big sky this week. Uh, Sac State almost got upset by Idaho. Idaho came back on them, and then Sac State kind of won in the last few minutes. Yeah. So good for Sac State, although I, I still feel that team has first-round playoff loss, or, or second round, they'll be a seed, playoff loss written all over them. The one thing that's interesting on Sac State's schedule, they go to Weber next week, so that'll be an interesting game. And then... They have Davis the last week of the season, and if Davis wins out, they're playing for the playoffs. They're playing life. for the playoffs. Yeah. They'd be seven and four with two big wins in the last three weeks. And you know the way that both those teams are playing, like maybe they could pull that off. Like you could see it. Um, Portland State beat Eastern. Eastern's just having a brutal year. I mean, we were. Uh, I picked Portland State, if I remember correctly, but I, we were chatting with our Big Sky Pod guys and. Um, there was definitely some some belief that the team is maybe just kind of folded folded it up for the year, and I mean it kind of looked like it. And then absolutely to go way down and then fight all the way back and still lose the game. Um, that's tough, but yeah, it, it seems like maybe you've I don't know, maybe you've lost them, maybe you lost the 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 drive there because East, uh, Eastern is what now? What's their record? Two and six. Yeah, they're bad. Two and six. Um, what else happened this week? Uh, this week we ha- there's a couple of bye weeks. So um, yeah, there's just the Davis and so, all the game. Yeah, I mean NAU beat Idaho State twenty four to ten. 
UC Davis killed Northern Colorado. Um, oh, whoops. Nope. Sorry. I'm clicking the wrong weeks. People are like, what? There was just, there was just four games. There was just four games. Yeah. I was, I clicked too far ahead. Yeah. Um, Davis crushed Polly. Yeah. So, so this week, the most interesting game is Sack. Is that Weaver? Sack at Weaver. Um, what are the other games this week? Uh, so Eastern at Idaho. Um, Idaho should win that game. So but... we, I think, I think we are all going to pick Idaho probably. True. What about the Sack Weaver game? God, that one. Uh... It's at Weber. I think Weber's going to win that game. I think Weber could win it, but Weber also like their offense wasn't that good. Like, Sack's but Sack's defense, defense isn't, isn't anywhere near Montana's. So, I think Sack wins because they're going to be able to run the ball on Weber. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, they're gonna, they're gonna run the ball on Weber. I think the thing I think though is Weber has shown they can deliver quarterback pressure without having to blitz, and so I think if Weber can put themselves in a situation where it's funny because the Grizz kind of showed that uh, Sacks quarterback number twelve with pressure isn't as great, and you saw Idaho replicate that a little bit it's that number 10 that o'hara kid he just when he gets rolling he does this little hop and spin crap that he does um (laughs) i say that respectfully uh (laughs) um that's just that's when it gets tough with that but i think this weaver i mean that weaver that weaver defense is going to be ready for all their goofy crap and so i think i think weaver is going to win that game all right what's going to be fascinating so (laughs) play it out right weaver beats sack wins out sack wins out idaho wins out we beat the cats you're gonna have idaho sack weaver cats all with one loss (laughs) and i don't know who wins the conference (laughs) the auto bit at least it's a (laughs) four-way oh um Uh, what i like about this weekend is the Grizz game kickoff is 6 p.m. Night game. And Weber Sacks kickoff is 1 p.m. One. Mountain time. Yeah. So watch. we can watch that and then show up to the tailgates. That's right. So Saturday, November 5th, 10 day forecast. Oh, it's not pretty. Showers and a 60% chance of rain. And like 39 at kickoff or something. <laughs> you know, uh, great. Uh, give me a shit. 45 game. degrees. Do Let's go. At five, forty-three degrees at seven, rain, rain, snow, rain at nine. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Let's go. Um, all right, whatever. Let's have fun. Cats go to NAU. NAU is two and one in their last few games. Like, yeah, the they beat Cal Poly. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but they beat come. Idaho State. Come on, guys, believe. No, yeah. Cats are going to win that game. <laughs> Uh, the game everybody cares about, Northern Colorado goes to Portland State. Look, Portland State's going to Port- win this game. Port- I just, I cannot wait to hear McCaffrey's excuses after Portland State wins. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Like, <laughs> do you, his quote about his son. Keeping oh, them could, in games. <laughs> could you imagine how bad we would lose? <laughs> if we didn't score 10 points with my kid at QB. Do you know what we prevented? <laughs> <laughs> um uh Idaho State goes to Davis. It's gonna put Davis at five and four. They should win that game. Yeah. They're on their slow march to the playoffs. And then we got Polly. 
at the Grizz. Uh, okay. I have not scouted Cal Poly up. Um, I've got a couple things on him that I well, can Well, I was going to say, what, like, you know the QB has got, he's the same school as Fonts and Xavier Harris, right? I think that kid got hurt. Okay. And so I think this brash kid is, um, I could be wrong here. Let what me I, just double check him. Their offense is so impotent. Well, they pass the ball okay. They're averaging 290 a game in the air. But they're averaging like less than 20 points a game. Yeah, no, they've got – so like if you look at um, – because the Big Sky Conference has a nice little statistical comparison. Uh, scoring, they have the worst – the second worst offense in the conference averaging 19.3 points per game. Okay. They have the fourth worst defense allowing 34.8 per game. Um when you look at their rushing stats, they are the third worst. Passing stats, they actually um, have the most amount of passing yards in the conference uh, per game. Oh, well, no, that's total yards, though. On average, it drops them down to kind of middle of the pack. Uh, I mean, defensively, um, rush defense is third worst. Pass defense, the absolute worst. I, so it's just like... Bo Baldwin's trickling in. We're throwing the ball a little bit more. We're putting some more stuff up in the air. But beyond that, I mean, Cal Poly's defense, on average, is giving up 497 yards per game. They're, they're a bad defense. They're a bad team. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what makes, what makes me really comfortable is – <laughs> that they only score an average of 19.3 points a game. Yeah. And we have such a nasty defense that I'm pretty sure we're going to score 20 on them. Oh, my God, we better. And we're going to hold them to under their average. So I think whatever the line comes out at, you pick the over. <laughs> I, I mean, I've said it this week, when I well, this past week, when I picked the Grizz to beat Weber. Like, I, I think this team is bottled up, and they're going to explode at some point. And carry that momentum in. So I, I would pick the Grizz to cover. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, okay, so Spencer Brash, QB, is a redshirt freshman. Um, Oof. Highly high school in Gilbert, Arizona. Definitely not Xavier and um, Aaron's teammate. I think it's this other kid, though. I got to find him. I should have researched this before we started recording. Uh, Michael Roth. So I don't know. Um, let's see. Where are you, Michael? Wide receiver? No, definitely not. What the hell? How does this kid have? Okay, so apparently, yeah, no, that's not the kid I'm looking for. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I'm flailing around here trying to find someone, but uh, but yeah, I mean this uh, this poly team, like I said, they're 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 starting to uh, they're putting some some passing stats up. Um, there it is. Is this Jaden Jones? This is the guy, right? Westlake High School. I think this is uh, in Oxnard. This is the kid. So number eleven, Jaden Jones. He's missed a couple games. Um, in fact, he's he's only accredited to three games. Was averaging two twenty a game before he went out. So, um, got knocked out and. Obviously, we haven't seen it back much since, and so Brash has taken the helm since. So that's kind of what's going on there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Cal Poly's turnover margin is 
they are what like eight in the hole. I mean, they throw a lot of interceptions. Um, there's just like nothing outside of their ability to because they pass the ball a lot, probably because they're behind a whole lot. Um, and they give up a ton of yards. This feels like the best opportunity for a get right game for the Grizz that we've got. And they've, like I said, though, whatever it was, 15, 20 minutes ago, like, I don't, I'd love it if we beat them 60 to three or whatever, you know, but I'd be happy if we just beat them 35, 38, 42, whatever. Um, I just want to see a little, just show me, just show me some, some slight to good improvements over what we saw in October. Um, and defense, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm happy. Because I just I don't I don't want I, I want this team to win out, hit the playoffs and go uh, and see what they can do. Uh, but I don't we don't need the perfect game against Cal Poly. We just need we just need a better game and we need to just show that this team is I don't know overcoming just all this crazy stuff that they've had through October. And so that's where I'm at. I'd love it if we crushed them. Yeah, seventy to three. Hell yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, but I'd be just as happy with a thirty-five to three, thirty-five to seven type of win as well, just because I just want I just want yeah. to see slight improvements. If that weather pattern holds, it might be lower in the... It could be tough, but I mean that that could I mean it's a great night for the ground game then, right? Um Yeah. Let's not get a field let's not get a field goal tipped. Hopefully hopefully <laughs> some pressure comes in and uh the rain goes away because if it's cool it's great if it's rainy i bet the crowd's gonna kind of suck because a rainy cold night game against a crappy yeah. opponent screw them bring i'll be there bring that hot chocolate and baileys baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah more time to tailgate yeah i don't know i'm i'm it's kind of sucks that the night game is in november <laughs> i mean but again i mean we talk about the playoff start now night game and cool weather in november hey that feels like a playoff game right <laughs> So. But again, going back to decisions and, and understanding <laughs> the bigger picture. And all right, all right. well, I, I don't have anything else to say about this game. We nope. we gotta go out and win it. That's all there is to it. I mean that, uh, yeah, and that's. Uh, I wish I would have probably maybe pulled up a few more things so I could have shared a little bit more with Cal Poly since Just we talked so much about them. them. They're bad. We should beat them. I mean, they're a bad get football right team. Figure it out. This is this is the get right game. This is what this is where it is needed. And uh, I believe the girls are gonna do it. You guys think so too? Yep, I do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what do you think? Should we go to fan questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's roll there. But I, I don't want to, I don't want to cycle back down into like a spiral of negativity. Yeah. Here. So I mean, like, I think that like if there's okay. asked and answered, you can kind of mention them and just say, hey, we talked about that. Yeah. So here's what I'm gonna do because I've noticed some people said like, oh, I asked this question. I've asked it a few times. So you guys didn't address it. I think I kind of did a little bit last week where I was like, hey, we already talked about. So I'm, I'm going to acknowledge maybe some questions that we've probably already touched on, right? Um. Okay, Twitter. Here we go. Adam Clinch asks: Has the good old boy club that is our coaching staff hurt us more than helped us? What coaching changes should occur in the off season, regardless of how the rest of the season plays out? You know, coaching coaching changes are up to head coach. Yeah. Like the head coach is up to the AD. He's not going anywhere. Coaching changes are up to the head coach. I don't know if he needs to change anything about who's there, but they have to change something up about how they're doing things. I would like to see a little bit more youth in this coaching staff just to kind of tie in some of the, um, you know, current 
relatable to current players type of angle, but yes, I don't. We need a new offense. Yeah, whatever that takes, new coaches or new uh, philosophy. But there's like a old dog, new trick thing. That I mean, it, it's like the question, and I I know we've heard this before that the the fantasy consultant factor is more of a scouting prep type of thing and it's he's not there calling plays on game day but you effectively have three offensive coordinators current or former right with Rosenbaugh Pees and Fennessy uh in that and it's like is it the too many cooks in the kitchen kind of question and it's it's hard to discuss about the employ- I'm Mike, I'm totally with you. I mean, this is a Bobby Howe call, but it's like that's like the thing you look at, and it's like I doubt fantasy's in there designing offenses, I, but I don't know, maybe it is. But it's just like we well, should be based on you've the got, rules for right, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Good point, good point. But it's just like three offensive coordinators adding input. Like, is this not producing a good product because you've got three, two to three opinions that are differing that can't come together on something? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I'm with you. Uh, Deebs8297 asks, does this loss convince the staff to change up the offense a bit? <laughs> Let's hope so. It should. <laughs> uh, Curtis Wallace, how was the NBA game? I think we kind of touched it on that. It was so fun. It was awesome. I, it, I'm so glad we did it. It it made me a jazz fan for like <laughs> for three hours. Yeah. Nice. Would do again. I don't think I've, I'm not been to an NBA game. It, I, I, it's definitely like I mean we've all been to an NFL game or two, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Baseball's a little different, but still, it's just like when you get to that pro, pro side of sports, it's like that production level presentation is impressive, to say the least. There's such good athletes too. Oh, oh my god, that's a bummer. Morant was on rest. Yeah. Um. Okay, Austin Wardlow. Is Montana's regression over the past decade an indicator of refusing to move up to the FPS? And as a result, they are becoming stereotypical FCS program while others move show up indication where? move up keep Move rising. up where? Yeah. Mountain like, West, right? We've, which we've never been invited the to. The snow belt. That doesn't exist. Do you think, though, that if we flirted first, they would flirt back? And, you know, the other thing that annoys me, and this is just, it is what it is when you've got a fan base that talks a ton, you've got a place with high expectations, but Montana's been in the final eight each of the last two years. So there's a bunch of fan bases across this country that like to talk shit about Montana, whose team is nowhere near. Right. You know, and the, and the other thing, like, Eastern Eastern's having a terrible year. And our, our friend Kyler from that podcast is talking about how you know, if you have one of these once every X number of years, Montana hasn't. We've had one losing season in the last 30 years or whatever it is. So regression, whatever you want to call it, like we are not where we should be. But Montana as a program is still better than quite a bit. All but maybe <laughs> yeah. 10 programs over the last decade. Like Absolutely. not where we want to be, no, but I, you know. But yeah, but you know, there's also... There's a lot of accuracy in the failure to adapt criticism. and uh, you know. Yep. Okay, Johnny Metropolis. You can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, and you can't have a three-plus-year starter if you don't start an underclassman. So who is it next year? Britt, uh, 
Hoyt. He says, go Bengals, or other, and then he adds in. He's not sure how to pronounce Hoyt's name, if it's Hewitt or Huat or Hoyt, but he has some NIL ideas, depending on how ah! you pronounce it. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's Brit, because... We See, were, I want to start the underclassmen. We were lucky. Like we were, we were excited to get him. We were told we were lucky to get him. We got him. Yeah. The one game we've seen him, he was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Do you I know, mean, I would bet the house on a transfer quarterback. Do you know it's better than a sophomore? Mike is a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I, I think your point's a good one. Yeah. Right. They're gonna bring someone into. Oh hell yeah, they are. It's it's their mo. Um. Okay, I would hope for it to be Britt as well. Um, he fits with the design of the offense that they want, and yeah. So we've talked about it at length. Up with Montana boys, or also at down with the foe, asks us. It seems Bear is a great coach, excellent defenses, and much loved by his players. Do we not have anyone on the offensive staff that fits that mold? Seems like two separate teams right now. Also, why after five years of this, can we not field a dominant O-line? We kind of touched on... I mean, I don't know. I can't answer the question for the O-line. Why? I mean, we should, like we've said. Um, I think... I think the players... I think the players on the offensive side... Plenty of them have love for their coaches and appreciate that. So I and and Bears running a system that Bobby brought from San Diego that Bear adapted and because he's a long time tenured, experienced, and intelligent coach. So um, I don't know. I it's I I don't know that I don't know the internal working. Yeah, and and honestly, I. I, I I can't tell you the attitude of the offensive players towards their coaches. Yeah. Um, haven't heard a single whisper about it. Yeah. It, you probably wouldn't. I don't know. It just doesn't. Well, it's it's like one of those things. Every now and again, you hear whispers of this or that, and that's not something I've ever heard a whisper about. That's my point. Yeah. Like I don't know. But I don't know, but I mean, like, you guys have better hearing than me. Lo- losing three in a row and being frustrated about it's not a good thing. That's what I would say. Yeah. And I, like, I'd be surprised, but college football has become a finicky thing. Yeah. And guys, you know, they're more mobile than they used to be. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just whether, it, whether it's happened or not, we need to be aware of how it could happen. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. <clears throat> uh, did these pants make me look snagged? Um, what the hell does that even mean? Can he explain that I to know. us? Um, <laughs> he's kind of asking the same question. He, basically, he's pointing out nothing that, or I should say they, uh, um, nothing that this post, this uh, person has indicated, has seen the last eight weeks leads them to believe the Grizz are better than a one playoff game type of team. Granted, they make it past Bozeman. Um, fair observation. Uh, and then wondering if Bobby needs to look in the mirror rather than uh, BSing about it in this offseason and make more substantive changes. I think we've kind of touched on that already. 
I mean, it's hard to say that the head coach doesn't need to look in the mirror after the last three weeks. Yeah. Johnny Claxton, does Bobby consider himself unfireable? I'm not saying we're there, but I don't exactly want a Kirk Ferentz situation. This is funny. He says that. I actually had a, a, a conversation with a friend who actually brought that up. He's like, man, this, like, offensively especially, like, this is like an Iowa type of situation right now where it's just ugly and awful. You know what I think the truth is about this? And it's probably a problem with Twitter in general. Is I think there's a contingent of people just like really upset. And it's super easy to pound anger into a keyboard or a phone. Of course. I think there's a Twitterverse that would say, time to do a bunch of coaching changes. But I actually think like (laughs) the uh, older alumni donor class still fucking loves Bobby. Sure. And his job is very safe. Absolutely. Um I think I think truly like you know you have to know Bobby is no one would probably question his competitive spirit, right? Um I he wants to win as much as anyone and I think his competitive spirit will drive him to innovate and make changes where needed, if needed, and find solutions. I, I truly believe that. I hope so. I'm with you, Luke. I think you, you harken back to the story in the 2004 National Championship where James Madison completely decimated Montana in the trenches, both sides of the ball, and Bobby came back and he was like, we've got to change the way we build this team from O-line, D-line out. And then, of course, you know, 05, rough, 06, a little better, 07, good team, bad first round draw, and then away you go, you know, 8 9. That's a great point. Um, so, could it be that, you know, these last two years, 19 and 21, was building success, but now 22, and it's tough to see how it's going to, you know, totally shake out, but it's like, yeah, drop to the Cats, don't get to the playoffs, or get to the playoffs one and done, you know, first row game and out. It's like a look back and be like you're saying, Luke, like, okay, like same kind of thing. Like we thought we had something that we were building on. Now we, we missed, this is wrong. And so we gotta, we've got to look at some new analysis on this. I mean, the other fascinating thing is like every Montana's tried to build the model to be like, okay, we gotta be as, we gotta build this team to beat North Dakota state. And now North Dakota State, granted, they've only got one loss, but they're not playing as good of football right now. And it's like South Dakota State and a couple other, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know. Are there some, are there some cracks in that, uh, in, in that, you know, NDSU dynasty that are building? And is it now suddenly like that's all going to reshape itself? Probably early to say. Way too early to say. But I don't know. I w- I'm with you. I would hope so. Um, Adam Clinch. And also, but it's the first one that pops up, so I don't know. Um, why can we not develop quarterbacks? Jordan Johnson was the last one who came through our system that was quality, and that was a decade ago. Um, would the Grizz have been better just running Bergen exclusively like Malat yesterday? Maybe if they had him run outside more. I mean, we, we touched the development thing, yeah. and it's true. I mean, it's, it's frustration we don't have a good answer for, but for a program of our caliber, it it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, Donovan asks us, 7-4 you and I, 7-4 UC Davis, 7-4 Montana. Who gets in from those three? Johnny Claxton did reply and said Davis would have beaten Sacramento State in that scenario, and you and I would have beaten South Dakota State in that scenario. I was going to say both those guys would have better wins than us. Than us. Um, Davis would have beat in that scenario Sacramento State and somebody else decent in the last three weeks. Uh, let me look them up. I know. Yeah, they play right, Idaho. this week, yeah. yeah. Two ranked teams. So They'd be in. I, I think that Montana's number three in that scenario. They are. I think it's – I hope we're not at that point, but it's just – it's a 7-4 and four Grizz team has no good win, and they have no bad loss. Yeah. And – And there have been years where the committee considered injuries. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just – it's kind of like a weird thing. I don't know. I, I would – Again, I'd love for this team to find a way to get in this playoffs. I mean, yeah, seven and four in your four losses to four teams in the playoffs. They'll all finish with one or no losses in the conference. Yep. Um, three of four on the road within one score. Um, yeah. But, yeah, at that point, a seven and four UNI who beats South Dakota State is in. A seven and four UC Davis who beats Idaho and SAC is absolutely in. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, C. Lills asks if, uh, with Robbie's career ending at the UM, uh, is there any traction to this looking like the end of the Hauk era? Two po- part two. I don't think so. I mean, I, he hasn't said anything to indicate that. No. I mean, I won't be surprised if it's the end of the first version of Hauk 2.0 in the sense that there are a lot of older coaches on staff that I think that they expected this team to be a national championship contender and I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them this was going to be their last hurrah swan song yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I mean I wouldn't be surprised by that but I I like I could see like if that happened you could see like okay I get it Um, I'd still be surprised by it yeah yeah me too uh, Corbo is asking, at what point does a coaching change become warranted? Lots of questions about coaching changes. Not, I don't think we're the, anywhere. The, the nobody at the University of Montana is going to move on from Bobby Houck. I mean, you have to have a handful <clears throat> of things going on that aren't, and some things you absolutely do not want, like uh, off-field issues, academic issues. Those aren't happening. Um <sighs> Losing records, dropping attendance, uh, those kind of things. Those aren't happening yet either. Um, I don't even think you're close. But I think, yeah. Okay, Eric Witz. Who is more valuable to this team the rest of the way? The last, let's just, well, he doesn't say it, so. uh, The rest of the way. Is it Lucas Johnson or is it the defense? Our defense has kept us in every game during our rough patch when the offense has done nothing without Johnson, and Johnson has done a lot to lighten the load on our defense. I think it's the defense because I think there are things the staff can do to get some more traction out of the offense. Yeah. So I think it's the defense. I think it's Johnson, but I think you're, that's a good point, though, too, Mike. Yeah. Luke says, yeah. Um, when his last season, Grizz lost three in a row. Someone pointed out it was 2018. We lost three in a row. Christopher Caprio. um, Everyone asked what I was going to. 
I just want to participate. Your content is awesome. Chicken soup for a frustrated fan soul. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Nathan, who I looked this account up, does not follow us, does not interact with us, but asked us, what's the name of the UNI head coach? Chris Farley or Farley. So he shows us a picture of Chris Farley and he says, is Bobby just this guy in a better Cadillac? <laughs> I mean, not quiet because not quiet. Bobby's gotten uh, several national championship games. Yeah, yeah. But Bobby needs <laughs> to win a national championship to not be that guy. Yeah, true. He's not, but yeah, God, it's kind of funny. Silvertip Nation, which one of you guys is going to pick Cal Poly to win this weekend to get this team back on track? He did not at you, though, Mike. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I, See, <laughs> see that like th- after those games, the Grizz were truly playing poorly. Like this is something different. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> okay. Stop you, it! Thank you for behave, Silvertip. Thank Stop you. It. That was a deep cut for a close follower. Uh, I appreciate you, Silvertip. <laughs> 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 um, Donovan uh, hops in with another just you know we can't keep doing trick plays for touchdowns but what happens to creativity in this offense there has been too many more screens or creative route concepts is this a coaching problem a backup quarterback problem a lack of confidence in the whole offense problem I don't know I'd say on those three questions it just feels I'd say like yes uh, <laughs> but I don't yeah, know A, B, C <laughs> D all D, of the above <laughs> It's the trick plays are best damn things that are working. Yeah, I, hell, I'm I don't actually know. annoyed that we didn't do a um, halfback pass similar to what the Niners did with McCaffrey today because oh, we've run against so, other people. That looks so damn. Nothing clean, else so. was working, so why? I mean, why not? Like annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> Let's style it up, baby. <laughs> well, Escape Park Mark is wondering why Garrett Graves isn't quarterback. He hasn't played quarterback for three and a half years, so yeah. Uh, Caden Sukitz asks, uh, for me, the research guy, when was, when was the last time a non-seed team made the semifinals or went to the championship? I wish I would have seen this earlier to research it. Here's my guess. North Dakota State. Uh, the year they got in and beat the Cats, right? Mm-hmm. And then went in Bozeman and then went to Eastern and beat Eastern. Wasn't it they beat Delaware that year in the national title? And that kind of started their whole thing. I, they were definitely a non. Well, I don't. That's a good question. The seed might not. That's have a good question. I might uh, quote tweet that and put a uh, put Herder and Haley on on that. Um, someone replied to it. Let me see what the reply is. Last year, South Dakota State wasn't a seed and made it to the semifinal. Says Nick Deal. That's why the Cats hosted as an eight seed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. And then Caden says, damn, well, you ruined that for me fast. He's going to be too. Um, uh, also asking about, is the play calling poor designed by Rosie or is Hauk holding the reins too tight? I have no clue. I mean, I have no, I have no clue on that either, but it seems like if it was Hauk holding the reins too tight, Rosie would have left. Like, that's a good point. Like, they're five years into this tenure. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Uh, bonus does a healthy Luke Johnson, Lucas Johnson solve 75% of our offense issues? I don't think it's 75%. I don't think it's 75%. I think it, it solves a lot. It solves a, a lot of uh, 51. 
a big chunk of our issues, but we still have identity a issues. Preponderance. No, preponderance. There was a, there was a, there was a great podcast a, a couple of weeks ago that talked about <laughs> offensive identity, and you know that person was spot on. So, <laughs> say Kyle, it. sample Kyle, say it. Or sample Just say it. Mike, you're right. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> you were right all along. He didn't even drop into our preponderance of offense. That was great. <laughs> That's so because the preponderance of evidence, 51%. It's not even 51%. It's 50.1%. It's half in a feather. Lucas Johnson is our preponderance. All right. Uh, Silver Tip Nation. When did Bobby go from more Hauk into more Stitt? Dive plays on third and 11. <laughs> Boy, Chris uh, Twitter was in rare form. God. I, I, um, no, he says, I, he ends this with, I'm being facetious, but I think the criticism is fair. So, um, Well, question. We were frustrated with Stitt's offense by the end because we felt it was pretty predictable. Are we any better on offense? Uh, do, do you remember when we went know. through like three quarterbacks and each one kept, in, kept breaking... TD passes in, <laughs> in the season. And we win games by three points. I mean, Stitt had bad defenses. Yeah, these are different teams. It, it, they're, just, they're just opposite. And, and this, these teams are better than – I mean, they are. Yeah? Okay. Well, Mike, I lost some of your internet. I was going to try to do some, some checking there. Okay, over to everybody's favorite. Uh, the old Eager has messed board here. Uh, U of M man asks, are we, are we overreacting to losing two straight one score games to top five teams having to play our backup quarterback or the apparent problems with the offense, a legitimate cause for concern, not just this season, but going forward. Of course we're overreacting. We're fans. Doesn't mean we're wrong. That's what we do. We are built to overreact, right? But I mean... Um, AZ Grizzfan wants us to talk about the culture of screamers, coaching, coaches do so, I suppose, uh, and how players react to that. Um, and then he says, has Bobby, Rosie, Germer, and Fennessy lost this team with that coaching style? So coaches that scream at the kids a bunch. Now, uh, as pointed out, Fennessy is not at practices. Um, I will say the practices I go to, I don't see nearly as much screaming as apparently there used to be. No, me um, neither. I don't necessarily think that many of the coaches are warm and fuzzy, but there are some, like, like Erickson in the tight ends, they seem to have a great bond. Yeah. Like, um, I don't when I just, I, I know, like, r- talking about Shelby High School sports isn't, like, super relevant to this conversation, but in my experience, it's there's always, always been, yeah, it's so, so important. There's always been players who respond to yelling and players who don't, sure. like forever. And I knew a whole host of kids who were uncoachable with uh, with getting like beat up with yelling. I was someone you could yell at all day long. I was like, I'm like, you know what? You're right. I suck. I should do that better. You know, like I, you could you could scream at me and I wouldn't take it personally. I'd be like, the coach is just trying to make me better. Uh, some of my favorite coaches were the ones who would be really brusque and to the point about, yeah. you know, correcting the things I was messing up. So I bet the same st- thing still applies broadly. Like, there's types of people who 
you just wonder like is it a balance like do you just need that kind of like hard ass with the friends as well and well you probably need i'm not saying it's not there but i just i don't know i think of like phil jackson and, and it's easier yeah. with like you know 15 players to worry about uh instead of an entire football team but you probably need a coach who can learn each player on an individual level and figure out what motivates them yeah okay um I pulled the wrong stats, damn it. Okay. I was trying to compare the 27. Okay. Anyways, more questions. Um, Soldier Grizz asked a handful of questions that I think we have actually entirely answered. Um, where he asked if Bobby, well, one of them makes the observation, did Bobby do better with Stitz recruits than with his own? I don't no, know, I mean, he turned over a lot of the team, and we struggled Especially those first couple of years. Yeah, like, defensively. Uh, is next year's QB on the roster? I say he should be, but no. <laughs> I say yes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm, I hope so. I, like I say, I hope so too. Uh, how many O linemen will Bobby sign this year? Over under is two. Um, over. <laughs> over, please over. <laughs> please God. Uh, yeah, and then some staff-type things we've kind of talked on. Uh, Grizz Turd wants to know, changes on the offensive staff. Grizz are number one. Uh, presumably we should win the next two home games if we think if we think we are any good, and I think we are. Bad luck, bad calls and such. If Lucas can go and we get the games under control score-wise, who do you throw in at QB if you sit Lucas for the rest of the game? Brown or give Britt a shot to see what he can do? Um... Yeah, I think we kind of touched on that, but, like, I'm with you, Mike. I think, like, this is key time for some some Brit reps, but I guess... I mean, if they don't get them, like, oh, my God, don't even get me started. If they don't, we'll talk about it next week. Okay, okay. Uh, Okay, we talked about... So, the 2022 Montana football team is scoring 33.6 points per game. Bob Stitz last year was scoring 35 points per game. This Grizz team is averaging 350 yards per game. Stitz are averaging 455 yards per game. Um, I mean, you could break down a lot further stats, but statistically, uh, the Stitt offense was there. Obviously, you flip it over the defensive side, and that, uh, you know, giving up 170 Rushing, giving up two fifty, passing, and you know, you know, it's t- it's it, like giving it, up thirty points a game. This is fascinating, and and I, I got along just fine with Coach Stitt. The times when I, I interacted with him, the the coaching staff right now is better than that. That staff. absolutely, like just I mean, it is what it is. But the fact that we are at this point, I keep saying this, five years into this, and we are even having this conversation is mind-boggling. Yeah. What I would say, the criticism of Coach Stitt's offense at the end was that they put up huge numbers against bad teams and then struggled and were very predictable against good defenses like Weber. Hmm. Sounds like this here. Weird. <laughs> All right. Uh, Putter, kind of some same stuff. Why aren't we playing Britt? Egris is really on this, so Egris listens to you very well, Mike. Um, oh, they're his people. Oh man. Oh boy. <coughs> um, is this, 
Okay, so Soldier Grizz. Grizz ranked 67 of 123 FCS teams in rushing offense average at 3.7 yards per carry. So middle of the pack-ish. Is that Dola, or do the Grizz need a few more drop-down D-linemen to play O-line to achieve Dola? So he's being a smart ass. I think we've talked about the O-line. <clears throat> CC Grizz, just how bad is Daniel Britt? The staff must not have enough faith in him to even give him a shot. Um, yeah. Alabama Grizzly, who <laughs> returns the dominance first? The Grizz or Idaho? Idaho's back, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Everett, why is he posting when we start recording? He wanted to know James's plan of attack for trick-or-treating. We'll have to... How's this the giveaway look? I haven't sorted this out with him. I have no idea what the plan is. Okay, you'll have to hop on Twitter and, and share it. Are you guys dressing up? No. Brent, are you having drinks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> will there be a fire in your front driveway? yes uh, as long as it's not raining <laughs> we will have a fire I'll have my canopy tailgate canopy and I sourced a keg of beer because I forgot to order it last week but uh, Excellent. good to go good to go um, <clears throat> Everett also points out that losing doesn't hit him quite as hard as it used to and wonders if this is what it feels like to be a Bobcat fan ooh not anymore for the Bobcat. Right. Um, he's also asking, what is the best weekend road trip from Missoula? I mean, you're never going to get me to not say Flathead Lake for a summer weekend, but that's... Yeah. Have you ever been to the Paris of the High Line? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, Luke. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean, a weekend road trip, like, you can get to Seattle or Portland. Like, you can get to the West Coast. Yeah. It's... I, I mean, I also, Mike's point of, that's the great thing about living in Western Montana is you have millions of acres of forest and beautiful lakes, I mean, 30, 45, 60 minutes away from your front door where you can I mean... be there. And be disconnected from most of, you know, yeah. reality for two days very easily versus an eight-hour drive to the to the coast. I'm a Pole Bridge, Bowman Lake, Kintla Lake guy. Yeah. I like the West Fork. Sure. Or the Flathead quite a bit. Um, you know, Glacier's getting tough anymore, but... Right. The passes. My the... goodness. Like, it's it's kind of nice. You, like you said, you get to Seattle, watch a concert professional game yeah. comedy show eat amazing food that you can't get in montana right um see the ocean there's so much to do it's i, mean, I suppose it's you know just whatever floats your boat yeah when i was younger i mean i used to think spokane was like the thing okay I'm, i have an opinion now I, okay laser tag <laughs> At Laser Quest in Spokane. So we're still on the road trip. Oh my goodness. We went there that year we went to Eastern Washington. You remember this. We didn't win at Eastern, but we had fun at Laser Tag. And we stopped at Laser Quest and I had so much damn fun. I'm not joking. I had two dreams about playing laser tag in the following week. And then the next year we go to Idaho and 
the whole vehicle is talking about, oh, we're going to go to Quest after the game. We're going to stop in. We're going to hit Spokane. Let's drop off at Quest. And I'm thinking, like, in my brain and maybe even out loud, I'm like, Quest, Quest. You know, I'm like, yeah, poof, 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 Quest, Quest, Quest. And then we're driving to Spokane and we miss the exit to Laser Quest. And I'm a little concerned and I'm like, hey, we missed it. And I think Mike's driving. And people are confused and, and they're like, what? We're going, and they're like, we're going to Quest. And I was like, no, Quest is back there, dude. And they're like, oh, we're going to go to. Casino. Quest Casino, <laughs> and we spent the evening in Quest Casino. I sulked around <laughs> watching my friends gamble, and I just wanted to be playing laser tag. <laughs> oh my god! So that's that's the that's my that's my ideal road trip. If any oh, guys want to go to Spokane and play laser tag with me, you know, hit me up in the DMs. Oh, amazing, amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, Wolf777, and the theme for the holidays was the whole month of October, one big trick. Does November hold more feasting? Are we still in line for any special presents in December, or will January be one big hangover full of New Year's resolutions? Oh, man. I mean, that's the hope that October was a trick. Uh, I mean, first of all, good question. I mean, that's a great way to, like, put that all together. That was an articulate phrased question i think you could still feast in november and have a present december and have a hangover about a, a what would have been in, in january i mean i could very well see that going where it's like just like last year where suddenly you win one playoff game and the next playoff game is south dakota state and you're bounced out um because of regionalization and whatnot um, I could see it. I could totally see it. But but I could also see a semifinal home game yeah. for this team. Oh, I don't. I couldn't. I mean, boy, unseated. Like, how on earth would they pull that off? Upset someone in round two. It's, but then other people need to get upset in round two as well. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the fascinating thing. Say the Grizz go eight and three. And Davis goes seven and four. We're playing Davis in that first round. <laughs> Right? I don't know. They're in California. Yeah. Regionalization, baby. It's um, as cheap to fly to Missoula as it would be anywhere in the country yeah. for Davis. Um, Evergris also made a point. He's wondering. It, it doesn't really appear much to him. He's only He, he, he admits he's watched the last three games um, on TV, but it uh, doesn't appear as if the receivers are winning, uh, getting separation, things like that. Um, we have a handful of guys like Flowers and Fonts um, and White with speed uh, is a route tree issue, predictability, or QBs not throwing them open. I mean, Mike, you kind of made that point earlier that Bobby said that there's a deep route in every. Yeah, and maybe they're not getting separation. I mean, there could be plenty of issues. Yeah. But one of them is the team not, the defense not feeling like they have to even consider as an option. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Grizzly Ordigger kind of pointed out the same thing, but he doesn't think the players have checked out, and he hopes the gr- coaches give them a chance to succeed. Um, I guess that's it. I don't know if I got any. Uh, you guys have any other text questions or anything? No, I, I don't think we got anything this week. I mean, there were a lot of questions after the game that people were tweeting at us, but they're all very similar to this. Yeah. Oh, right. For sure. Um, yeah. No, I think. Uh, 
I don't have any others. Actually, for some reason, I felt like I had a text with some, but um, I don't know. You guys got any? Nope. Trying to rapidly fire through text here. No, I mean, the theme kind of seemed the yeah, same, right? Like, the same. It, like, it definitely, like everything kind of falls suit. With we've it, hit so. the conversation pieces. And the, the thing about the season is, is they're just at the prove-it stage. I mean, absolutely. Bobby said it after the game. We've put themselves in a position where next game, next week's a must-win game, and that's fine. We'll just go win it. But seriously, just go win it, and then go win the next one, and then let's go win the Cats and make the playoffs. Because yep. this team can still accomplish things. Absolutely. They've made their path harder, but they can still accomplish things. Yep. So, you know what? I think Saturday night's going to be fun. Rain or, rain or not. I was going to say rain or shine. <laughs> no shine. The lights will be shining. Um, so we want to see you there. Come say hi. Um, and if, you know, we don't see you there, we'll see you right back here next week. Go Grizz. Fight on.